Talk with Ben Tompkins. Hi, B. We back for Uber Stories Columbus Part 2. Welcome in, everybody. This is going to be a great episode. This is going to be an epic conclusion to everything that we did in Part 1, as well as I've got more Uber Stories, I've got Breakaway Festival recap, and then it's just been such a crazy stretch that... I, I feel like I haven't stopped in like 10 days, and that's because I actually haven't stopped in 12, and even before that, we were moving at a pretty fast clip here in Louisville, and um, I'm pretty exhausted. I'm pretty exhausted, so you might be able to hear it in my voice. I'm definitely running on about four hours of sleep over the last collective six days, I'd say, like uh, averaging that per night, okay? There's been some nights where I've had more. There's been some nights where I've had less. But I, to, to, to say that I am exhausted is an understatement. I mean, that's just like such a gross understatement because I don't know if I didn't have the energy that I have naturally and then when I feel elevated in some of these manic stages. And it's not even that I'm manic. It's just like when I'm, when I'm in this element, I really have a decreased need for sleep, which is great because I can get a lot of things done like episodes like this and part one. But I, I think my mental capacity right now and just like the fluidness of my thoughts might sound like I'm a little bit all over the place. And that's because I kind of am. I kind of don't know what day it is or what I am anymore or what it is. Like I, I'm just like I'm out of it. But you know what? I'm in here. I'm in the studio. I'm in my chair. And I'm in the mood to tell some great stories as well as recap what an awesome time Breakaway Festival is and really wrap a nice ribbon on the Columbus episode. If you did not listen to part one yet, you should definitely go and check it out. That thing is doing some awesome numbers. There are some really great stories on part one. The spiciest story from the weekend was a 40-something lover that had less than a week before we met, and he got in the car and was telling me the story. Less than a week before that happened, he had broken up with this guy that he had been with for 16 years and then found out that this guy was cheating on him with this 20-year-old boy toy and he runs into the boy toy at the bar that he's at and he hops in the car because he had to get the fuck out of there and he was like dude this was so fucked up and it was it as as the story goes on it's like oh my god this tea is like piping this is some good shit so that was probably the spiciest story from part 1 Bambi Lives was a really taxicab confessions-esque story about this animal lover wife that was in the car with her husband and was very relieved when I avoided killing Bambi. And I was like, hey, five stars over here for having this conversation and very slowly coming to a stop and not even coming close to annihilating this deer when a lot of people probably would have. And you just got to hear the way that it happens and what she's saying. And it's just, it's really funny. Um, I talked to a guy who was a gambler that talked about the most money that he had ever won and lost and how he reads the table. So he gave me some tips about how you can read the table. Uh, There's a lot of really good audio on part one. There's a lot of good stories, a lot of good audio. And part one also contains audio from the open mic sessions. This is a brand new concept that I just started doing. I'm so excited about it because as I run into car issues or as I have been in other cities, like I was approved to drive as an Uber driver in Columbus. You might not know this, but 
Uber has driving regions, and I had to find that out the hard way down in Atlanta and also in Chicago. And in cities where I'm not approved as an Uber driver, I still want to be able to go and connect with the people and get real people, real stories, real talk. How can I do that? Well, I've come up with a pretty interesting and pretty awesome way to do that. And I put it all together in Columbus, and I brought my intern, Connor Dewey, with me, my fucking guy, ride or die over here, and we set up at Ohio State University, the Ohio State University, okay, and for a couple hours, and I was just like pitching people like, hey, what's up, fellas? Hey, ladies, what's up? You like podcasts? You want to be on one? Hey, come on, yeah, fuck yeah, I'm serious, sit down, and just chopped it up with people, and asked them, you know, hey, all right, so what are we talking about today, baby, you know, and just, dude, it was like, the audio from that, and the interviews that I got during that time was amazing, and I already can't wait to do it, we are planning to do that, same concept on the University of Kentucky's campus, not this upcoming weekend, because I kind of need just a weekend of just like, Dude, I, I just need to do nothing else, but I'm still going to work. I'm still going to be driving, but I just I just want to drive and focus on just like connecting with people and not have to like think about traveling to some other place. Like I, <laughs> before, before any of this going back like 12 days ago and a couple episodes ago, I was like all jacked up on Mountain Dew to get to this stretch. And you know what? I love it. I love it. I love the give and go. I love the constant motion state of being. Like, I love all that stuff. But every once in a while, you know, I even I have my breaking point. And I, I just, I really need a weekend of just peace and hanging out and not really worrying about a bunch of different stuff. So I'm looking forward to that this weekend. But the next weekend, after I've recovered, I'm going to be back on the road, and I'm going to be traveling to Lexington, where Connor is a student at the University of Kentucky, and we're going to be doing the same thing, hanging out at UK's campus, and over the next couple months, we're going to be continuing to do more, not only college campuses, but also big cities, you know? I want to do this in high-traffic areas, and to get to the origin story of how this concept was born, you got to go back and listen to Uber Stories Atlanta, one of the very first episodes that I ever took this show on the road to do an Uber Stories episode, and ended up not being able to drive, was walking around the Atlanta Beltline pitching people one at a time, just hand-picking and targeting my audience of like who I would want to be listening to the show, and because that went so well, and because I was able to prove to myself, like, wow, I can, wow, like, I really connect with people. And I need to figure out a way to showcase this. Like, it's one thing to talk about it and for my podcast listeners to hear it. But now that I've got somebody to hold the camera for me and I'm building up a YouTube channel, it's only a matter of time before this shit pops, dude. Like, honestly, that's how I know that I've found my life path is because... I know that this is only a matter of time. I feel like a fucking lumberjack with an axe taking cuts at a big fat sequoia tree out in NorCal, okay? And I'm just sitting here every time I'm in the studio, every time I'm in the car, every single time I meet somebody. You know, Drake says every picture that I take is a fan that I can gain and I see it as every hand that I shake is a fan that I can gain. Not everybody's going to be down to ride, but you know what? There's There are so many people who are, 
And if nothing else, me going to a fucking music festival solo and probably vibing with like I'm not even kidding, like a thousand people, like over a thousand people, like hundreds is an understatement. Like there, it was awesome. And so get to all that. Okay. We did that. I did that. I just did that. And it was fucking incredible. But I have to figure out a way to showcase that. So whether it is, and we're working up to these points, right? But like having Connor there and doing open mic sessions, that's going to be clutch. As well as getting a camera in the car. And camera and audio is different, okay? So in most of the states, in all the states that I've driven in, it's been a one-party state, meaning if I know that I'm taping, that is totally legal. I can tape whoever I want, and I can use that audio. But uh, I don't use that to out anybody, right? I just tell stories anonymously and I do that so that it enhances the storytelling but also lets people say what they're going to say in their own words because there's certain words that I can't say or I don't want to repeat. I don't want to say them. I don't use them regularly. So, you know, it, it's just that's what it's for. Okay, and, it, and I truly do believe it enhances the storytelling. The audio that you're going to hear today on the Uber stories today enhances the storytelling. But so does video. And what I realized is on college campuses, the people who are sitting down in these chairs to talk to me, this is like exactly my target audience, dude. These people are on TikTok. They are listening to podcasts. They're watching YouTubers. They're consuming media through Twitch. These people don't have to be sold on changing their habits in order to consume my content. They are already out there and existing in these markets. Now I'm going to them and putting it in their hands and saying, hey, see if you like this. If you don't, thanks for listening. If you do, fucking hashtag ride with Benny T and I fucking love you, okay? I fucking love you. <laughs> because without them, without people who are doing that stuff, it it's gonna it's 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 gonna still gonna happen. Okay, it's still gonna happen. It's just gonna take a little bit longer at time. And that's okay. That's okay. Greatness takes time, okay? But all of this all, all like it's just like <laughs> I feel like that lumberjack, right? I feel like that lumberjack just taking cut after cut after cut and eventually I'm gonna be yelling timber. And the reason that I feel that way is like looking back at what I've done in Atlanta and Chicago and Nashville and now Columbus is this thing that I'm learning on the fly and I'm taking these theories, I am executing them and I'm learning from them each time I do it and saying, okay, well, here's what worked, here's what didn't work and month after month, it has continued to grow, not only grow, but it's like I'm flourishing, I'm glowing, I'm glowing. Even though my voice is a little bit hoarse, okay, I've probably eaten 30 sepasol fucking... <sighs> oh, throat lozenges in the last couple of days to make sure that I had enough for this episode and then I don't I'm not like I don't have to talk to anybody for like a day after this. It's going to be really nice, okay? But I'm just like I'm very proud of where we are versus where we started and even going back like that's all what that's I, everything that I'm talking about right there is going back in like uh, since March of 2021 and I've been doing this show and the Uber Stories concept and had built a studio and, and went all in on this path in June of 2020. So we're less than a year and a half into this thing, but already 
it's starting to pick up and starting to take off. And now that I've got video storytelling that's going to be coming and I'm sitting on this treasure trove of not only getting that going, but also TikToks that I'm doing with my writers, like, dude, it's only a matter of time. I am a ticking time bomb. And I have no qualms about saying that whatsoever because I'm that confident in myself. And when you feel like you found your thing and certain things happen to you, like meeting 40 down in Atlanta despite being heartbroken and distraught about not being able to drive, but still figuring out a way to go and connect with people and doing the Beltline thing, walking around pitching people for hours and hours and hours, and then going to Magic City on a Monday and meeting 40, one of my biggest, I mean, heroes. I mean, literally heroes and role models as somebody that has taken their thing, gone all in on it to the point where they're like begging their moms not to like give up on them because they're like just, dude, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Like I'm like, dude, I fucking feel that so much and we're staring into each other's eyes and he's like, dude, you gotta keep going with this. You got to. And I got a commitment to that. I got a commitment to myself. I'm staying down no matter what. I'm staying trenched up. I'm staying trenched up. And no matter who falls off, or who decides not to go on this ride with me, yeah, that shit is heartbreaking, dude. It is really sad. It bums me out to think about all the people that two years ago, pre-COVID, were in my life that I called friends, and through COVID, and through me setting boundaries for myself, and clearly communicating what I needed from people, which is the bare minimum in terms of quality time to maintain a friendship and relationship, and people can't do that and reciprocate any time or energy or effort that I'm willing to put in, well, then that's not something that I really can call something that feels good to me or something that's like, like, what is it? Who are you to me? If it, it just like, that's baffling and it's, it's heartbreaking. Best friends, best friends, man. I, I mean, it's just like, it, it's just part of it, I guess. I don't know, man, but um, I'm just can continue to do me and I I could get bummed out, you know? I could get really bummed out about that, but I focus too much on what I have ahead of me and everything that we're doing currently and where it's headed to ever think twice or give two fucks about somebody that didn't have the love or the patience or the understanding or the willingness to stick with me in these trenches. If you walked out, then we might be cool at some point later on down the line, but dude, I'm telling you, it'll never be the same. It'll never, ever be the same. And that's life. That's life. That's life. Speaking of life, <laughs> it's been moving at a very fast clip. It's been moving at a very fast clip. So I want to go ahead and wrap a ribbon on Uber Stories Columbus Part 2 because I do have a handful of stories for you today. And then I've got Breakaway Festival recap. And I did go down to Atlanta for the Louisville and Ole Miss game. Louisville got absolutely waxed. And you know what's funny, actually, is like, <laughs> funny story, I sat next to Vince Tyree on our Delta flight coming back from Atlanta today. I flew back in today, actually, and sat next to Vince Tyree and asked him a couple questions. And I, I asked him two questions that had there been an SID present, 
that SID probably would have yanked my credentials and I would have never been able to have access to Vince Tyree again. But I love the fact that me doing what I'm doing and having moved off of the sports thing, but then also having this opportunity to have this sports connection at this game and coming out of this game. And it's just like, you know what? That's fucking awesome, dude. Like it happened by chance. And I asked him two questions and then I went right back to doing my thing, which was cutting up audio and getting these stories ready on the plane today. I mean, I have not stopped, dude. So I want to go ahead and continue before I do stop and take a breath to tell you what the stories are on today's episode, as well as getting into the back end of this episode, which will be the Breakaway Festival recap. So today I got four stories for you. The first one is called Drug Mule. This is about a man who is late to the airport and gets some real talk regarding whether or not he's got any chance of making his flight, and then he shares the most interesting case that he's ever worked on as an attorney, and it involves the Colombian cartel. Ooh. <laughs> the next story on today's episode is called The Counterfeiter, another lawyer story. This time, this lawyer engages in some edgy banter with me before sharing the most memorable client that he's ever represented, a counterfeiter who eventually fled to Belize to continue his work and was never caught again. Walk Your Path follows the counterfeiter, and this is a story about a writer that shares the career path of his life and why walking down different paths until you find your right fit is so important. And it's something that I want to piggyback off of and use this story to speak to some big picture takeaways. And then finally, this was actually the last ride that I gave in Columbus. And it was a perfect way to stop. This story is called Manifest Destiny. And it is about a married couple who are on their way to a new beginning. And they share some pretty cool connections between the things that they've been manifesting and the events that have been unfolding in real time. The coincidences are incredible. So those are the stories that we've got for you today. And then once we get done with those, we will transition into the Breakaway Festival recap. So Friday and Saturday, it was my very first music festival solo that I've ever done. And most people hear that and I think most people... They see themselves, they, they like hear things and they think, oh, is that something that I would do? And then based on that, they're either like, oh my God, that's the coolest thing ever, or they kind of cast shade on it because what they're really doing is projecting those doubts that they have about themselves in that situation onto you. So they might say things like, oh, I don't, I don't know though, like what, what about this? Or like, yeah, yeah, I don't know if they'll, like, and it's just like, you know what? Hey, I get it. Okay, but like for me, it was amazing. For other people, I understand how people might be hesitant about that or maybe wouldn't enjoy that. But I've always been somebody that goes to the movie theaters alone if I want to see a movie. And I am the dude who you will see sitting in the corner of a restaurant in a booth for one, watching his iPad, eating a full-ass meal by himself. Like, I just, I, I do these things, you know? And I've lived by myself. I moved to a different city. And I lived in the Bay Area for three years. Didn't know anybody when I moved out there. And that's really when I started to go, you know what? If I want to do things, I have to do them by myself and be okay with that. And if you move to go to college at a new place that you don't 
like it's not your hometown and you don't have any other friends going there or if you move to take a job if you want to go visit another country like you're going to have to do some stuff alone dude and i finally did my first music festival alone and it was fucking awesome it was so i met so many new friends dude and it's like you know what that's cool because if people have fallen off I'm just replacing those relationships and growing new ones. Now, I'm not going to go and meet a best friend and make some super deep connection at a music festival in two days. I mean, maybe it happens, but more than likely, it's more about just being myself and presenting that authentic self and seeing the way that people are responding, reacting, and receiving that. And you know what? I, it, I'm going to get emotional at many different points of this episode probably because that part of it went so well that I honestly can't wait to do it again. (laughs) I honestly cannot wait to do it again, dude. So a lot of thoughts on that one. Uh, I will spend maybe 10 minutes talking about the Louisville and Atlanta game and just like not even so much the game, but going from like you got to understand, dude, this stretch that I'm on, I took Connor and I, we went up to Columbus and stayed there from Friday to Sunday. That was like at the very last week of August. And then I came back, drove us home. I flipped the episode in two days and basically didn't, like I woke up, went to the studio, went back to bed, woke up on Tuesday, worked in the studio all day, went back to bed, and then I drove up to Columbus on Wednesday. And Wednesday... We spent a lot of time, well, you know, we, we, we spent a lot of time like getting together the um, YouTube content that we shot from the weekend on the open mic sessions. And then from Wednesday to Sunday, I was in Columbus again for part two. I drove back from Columbus on Sunday to Louisville, less than three hour drive, really not that bad. And I had about an hour and a half, two hours maybe. Uh, probably more than that, but like actually like an hour and a half of just downtime where I went and laid with my family dog, McGregor. I call him Greggy because I just need, I, I was so depleted of like, I, I get emotional when, and when I'm drained of like, you know, low on sleep and I'm just, I've been so happy and up that when I'm finally ready to kind of come down, I'm just like very susceptible to get emotional over like, um, not in a bad way, like uh, angry or anything, but I'm just like, I'm very easy to cry when I watch something or if I'm talking about something that's really like powerful or moving to me or, or even, it doesn't even have to be that moving. It's just like, if it feels like it's real shit to me, then I I start to tear up a little bit. Like I get emotional about it. So that's going to happen a lot today probably, I would imagine, but it's all love. That's how you know it's real. And that's that's how I know it's real. So um, as soon as I got back down, I laid with him, didn't even unpack my bag and haven't done laundry in like two weeks. But I grabbed an Uber from my parents' house and left Greggy there and then went right down to the airport and flew down to Atlanta on Sunday night to meet my family and stayed in Atlanta until today, Tuesday, And uh, yeah, flew back and basically have been working on the episode ever since I left Columbus, like here and there in Atlanta and then on the plane and then all day today and I'm taping this and it's 9.38 and I'm 25 minutes into this intro. But you know what? Honestly, like 
This is a perfect segue because I'm just going to jump right back into where we left off on Wednesday, me running through that recap, and then we're off and running. So, like, keep up. I know we're going at a fast pace. I'm probably going to fucking crash when we're done with this, but this is going to be a, hopefully, another banger and a conclusion to what a banger Columbus Part 1 was and just a really nice way of... uh, I don't know. I'm just I'm just really proud of where I'm at right now. I really am proud of where I'm at right now, and it, and it just feels really good to have been working so hard um, and doing it all alone. Like I have the support of my family, no doubt. But like, dude, there's a reason that my dog is my best friend right now, and it's not because I haven't tried to stay close with certain people. It's because I'm just like. <laughs> Uh, I, I can't even find the words to describe these people, you know, that have, that have, that have fallen off, but it's like, you know what, whatever it's, 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 it's their loss. I I have this meme of, uh, the kid from little rascals and he's like dressed as, uh, the girl. I, I don't know. He was like dressed as the girl in the little rascals movie. Right. And, uh, he's looking back and he's got these sunglasses and a scarf on and it says, you're lost, baby. And that's how I feel, dude. That's a huge fucking mood. So I'm done talking about all that shit. Maybe we'll dive into that on another day and name some names. But for today, uh, they're irrelevant. They're dead to me. They're dead to me. You're dead to me. Okay. And I mean that with all due respect. (laughs) So. Quickly before I jump back into this, uh, please take two minutes and subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast on Apple Podcasts. If you're an Apple Podcast listener, seriously, leaving me a quick review is how you can help me grow the show. And I talked about being the lumberjack swinging the axe at this big tree. You know how you can help me make that bitch go timber? It's by leaving me a quick rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Because people look at it, and it really helps. And, dude, I look at that stuff. Um, I don't, like, check it regularly. But when I have to scroll down and find certain episodes, I have to scroll all the way down. And when I look at my page on Apple Podcasts, I can see where people have left new reviews. And I read those, and they are so encouraging and heartwarming that I it makes me want to get emotional thinking about it. <laughs> okay? I, I So, please... Do that if you haven't. Thank you and shout out to everybody that has already. And if you want to still figure out a way that you can help me and you're not an Apple Podcasts user, then please just go and do it on Facebook because I have a page for the show at Real Talk WBNT, and that is where you can also help me out by leaving a rating and a review. Please follow that page as well as the Instagram page that I have for the show at Real Talk WBNT. A lot of good content on there. And then if you are interested to see any of the videos that I'm doing with my writers that I will reference time and time again on this show and this whole I Ride With Benny T concept that was born in Nashville, like, again, something that I'm going, oh my God, I should be doing this. Wow, like these revelations are happening in real time. And if you've been riding with me since any of these episodes that I'm referencing, either Atlanta or Nashville or Chicago, like you've you've been known, right? You've been known. And if you haven't and you're just now joining, I highly encourage you to go back and listen because if you just listen to Atlanta and 
If you listen to Allow Me to Reintroduce Myself, that's a Godfather-esque episode, about three hours, but it is so deep, you'll really get a feel for me and this show and who I am and what drives me and what has shaped me in my life. If you listen to the New Year's special and the Christmas special, also two episodes that are going to tell you everything you need to know about who I am and what motivates me and what makes me stick in here day after day and even when I'm like, I am so tired, I can't even fucking talk anymore or think clearly. It's in those episodes. It's in those episodes. And episodes like Atlanta and Nashville and Chicago and Columbus and especially Columbus Part 2, what I'm doing right now, like I feel like my most vulnerable self and my fucking guy, Tim Schladen, who is on this podcast months and months and months ago and as a next-door neighbor came over and laid down some of the realest talk that I've ever heard in my life when he said, vulnerability is the birthplace of creativity. And you got to lead with vulnerability. You got to lead with vulnerability. You got to be willing to be vulnerable first because beautiful things can happen if you are. It's powerful, man. It's powerful. So, yeah, there's a lot, okay? But definitely go back and listen to some of those episodes. And uh, even if you have, go back and get a refresh because to be listening to this now and, and, and think back of where it all started is just like, dude, what a ride. And 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 to think about where we're headed and the beginning of the open mic sessions is like so it's just like it's exciting it's really exciting for me it's really exciting for me because i'm thinking about the fact that now that i have somebody to capture this and somebody that i hired who is on my team and in my corner no matter what and i'm the exact same for that fucking kid ride or die and be looking out for his podcast that we're going to be launching that I'm helping him cultivate and grow. It's going to be one hell of a story and one hell of a ride. So I hope that you'll continue to ride with me. And if you do, please hashtag I ride with Benny T with that. Let's hop into these stories. Okay. Wednesday, Wednesday, after I finish Columbus part one, on Wednesday, I go back up to Columbus, okay? Get done. I severely made my brother upset because I was in the studio so late, finishing up around midnight on Tuesday night, and it was just because, like, I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. I I'm, I, I feel bad, and I, I'm, I'm, like, sorry to disrupt your sleep, but, like, dude, you got to understand, I came straight home, and I have not left the studio, and this is just, like, what time it, it took me to get done. So get done with all that, wake up on Wednesday, and drive up to Columbus. Now Wednesday, Wednesdays always go this way, where Wednesday is when the episodes for the show come out, and it is it, it, it takes maybe like an hour and a half to two hours, depending on what I actually have to do, to write up different social media posts and get everything ready to be launched on whatever it is, formatted for Instagram or LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, whatever it is, it probably takes a little bit of tweaking and crafting that message takes some time and then like making sure as as now the YouTube channel is growing. And so all of these things are happening. I'm literally, this is so bad and, and dangerous, but hey, I, I mean, I, I just, I had to do it, man. I had to do it, okay? But I'm driving back up to Columbus and I am 
on my computer sending stuff to Connor and uploading things because and pulling things from the drive because basically we were running into some um, just like you know I think when you start to do something for the first time and you're working and playing and tweaking at the format of how it's going to look and sound you know there's going to be a lot of work that happens on that front end but then as you go along it's going to be easy because you've already established what it you want it to look like, what you want it to sound like, and you really don't have to mess with it that much. Like once you create the intro and the outro, boom, you're done. Just take the edited video and slap it in there and then now we got like five or six videos that are up. But we were working on all of these little things leading up to it because you know, it's like our first and second videos that we've done. So as we are working on that, and then as I get up to Columbus, and then as I'm sitting in my hotel room, once I get up there, working on getting the videos up, um, it just ended up taking a lot longer than I than I had anticipated. So what was supposed to be me driving and getting lots of Uber stories from both Wednesday and Thursday quickly became a, oh my God, where did the time go? It is almost 8 or 9 p.m. on Wednesday night. I am fucking exhausted, by the way, having just, like, you like go back and listen to part one and listen to the amount of time that I rested that weekend. Uh, the, the limit is zero. Like, the limit is, like, zero, right? The limit does not exist. Maybe that should be a better way to put it. But I really didn't stop or slow down the whole time. And then... Like I said, coming back, working on that episode feverishly and manically to get it out, and it was fire, but it just drained me, and then driving right back up to Columbus and going through some of these little things along the way and just dealing with stuff on the fly, by the time I got there and had not eaten and it was like 8 o'clock, I was like, dude, I don't think that I would be worth a shit to anybody right now if I went back out there. So I got dinner and I just chilled Wednesday night and then Thursday I got up in the morning and I went and did a workout, crushed a workout. I went down to, I like doing city workouts and I brought my workout, Get like dude, honestly, like uh, all I need is a kettlebell and a med ball and maybe some dumbbells, like I would prefer to have dumbbells, but I just brought a kettlebell and a medicine ball and a yoga mat, and that's really all I needed. And I went down to Tuttle Park and found a really cool spot next to the river, looking at Levesque Tower, one of the most beautiful buildings in Columbus, probably my favorite building from Columbus, like it's really, really cool. And I had this perfect view of it. It's beautiful down near the river. They have big, wide sidewalks and plenty of lushy grass. And dude, I just found a spot and threw my yoga mat out and just did a workout and wanted to be there to stretch, get loose, feel like I was getting a good workout in and just get ready and prepare for what the next three days were going to be because it was going to be a nonstop, uh, just running the game fest of Uber stories and then breakaway festival and connecting with just hella people. So I was like, you know what? I want to do something that raises my vibrations. I want to get the vibes right. And that for me is always spending time in nature, whether it's hiking through the woods or doing yoga next to a river and doing some air squads and some med balls and some anything. Like I'm just like, that's what makes me feel really good. So that's what I went and did on Thursday morning before going out and starting to drive 
for the stories that are on today's episode. So after I got back from that workout, went home, showered, I was standing at the Doubletree. Shout out to the Doubletree in Worthington for such an excellent experience. I love those people. I'll get to why I love those people, but they took care of me all weekend long from Wednesday to Sunday, and I could not be more grateful for them. So if you're thinking about staying somewhere in Columbus, definitely go and check out the Doubletree in Worthington. It's worth it, okay? But um, that's where we start, is me being showered and ready to hit the road and ready to get these stories. So this, (laughs) 40 minutes in, is the true start of Uber Stories Part 2. So without further ado, I've got four stories for you, and I want to go ahead and drop those right now. Drug Mule. So a lawyer gets into an Uber. Shouldn't that be like a bar joke or like something that stand-up comedians start using? I feel like that could be like, you know how they say like, so so so-and-so walks into a bar. Well, I feel like I'm kind of like starting something new by saying this one. Now, maybe it only pertains to me, but I mean, I think I got something here. I don't know, but let's, let's just continue with this. A lawyer gets into an Uber, okay? And this guy gets in, and one of the first things that he says to me And one of the first things that I say to him is like, hey, how's your day going? And this is what he comes back with. Head to the airport. I am fucking late. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Not your fault. No. I know what the fuck. I asked this guy, what time does your flight leave? And he said 4.40. And I look at my phone and it's 4.08 p.m. And according to Waze, we're going to be pulling up to the airport at 4.22 and I'm like, I go, damn. And he goes, that's a good damn, right? Damn. That's a good damn, right? Uh, <laughs> I've never flown out of the airport here. I'm not from here, so I don't know, but I think you might it's be not, fucked. Come on, don't say that. <laughs> Just keep it there. Tell me I'm there at 420. It says 422. Are you TSA pre-check? No, it expired. <laughs> I can't help but laugh, man. It's like, well, dude, it's not my fault. Your TSA pre-check expired, you know? Like, man, that's, you know, <laughs> like, excuse me for asking, right? He didn't. I know he didn't mean it like that, but, but, you know, still kind of a, kind of a little prickly thing to say, right? But I get it. He's in a rush. And look, man, I'm gonna do everything in my power to get somebody where they need to go but I'm going to do it in the most efficient way possible. That doesn't mean that I'm going to recklessly speed or endanger the lives of others or my livelihood or my car just because this person is late to the airport, right? You know, when those movies and they're like, Cabby, step on it. Like, we're not doing that, okay? I'm definitely going to push the speed limit and we will get there in the most expeditious manner possible, but we're going to do it safely, okay? I'm not going to risk getting a speeding ticket or worse just because this guy is late to the airport. I've missed flights before. It sucks, but it's really not the end of the world, you know? And I asked him, dude, why are you so late? Like, well, you know, like, what, what, what was going on today? And he said that he was having a VPN issue. And I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, what was it? And he said, well, I was sitting in a coffee shop 
and I was logged into my company's VPN and I was looking at the clock thinking that I was fine on time and then I realized that I was looking at the wrong time because Columbus is on Eastern time and the city that he lived in, Houston, is on Central time. <laughs> Whoops. So I asked him, well, what do you do for work? And he says that he's a lawyer, which explains the prickliness, right? And he said that he works on mostly contractual commercial type disputes. And right now he was working on a case between a landowner and a gas operator over some damages, which isn't really that interesting. But I knew that he had probably worked on something that was of interest that I could probably make a story out of. So I asked, what is the most interesting case you've ever had to try? And his response was a pretty cool insight and story about the inner workings of the Colombian cartel. Um, well, that one's easy. Uh, I did a pro bono deal when I was my first year lawyer. And uh, my client was a Colombian drug mule. Um, you know, ingested bags of heroin, cocaine, and got on a plane in Bogota.
bathroom distracting you know, him? Um, no. It was really just kind of quirky. Like, they go through customs. What are you doing here? One of them said, we're on our honeymoon. And the other one said... They just got... The, there was just some very slight... Slight disconnect in what the two said, which resulted them in enhanced sort of questioning, not not in terms of torture, but just more enhanced screening. And at that time, they really started visibly started sweating and getting nervous, and they ended up just admitting it. After hearing all that, I told him, you know, at what point does the cartel like? Let's put it this way: the cartel makes billions of dollars, right? Is that an overstatement? Certainly hundreds of millions of dollars, probably billions of dollars, okay, on all of their activities, both legal and whatever they do that is like, I don't even know how they wash their money or like whatever, but I know that they're making a lot of money. And so it's not like they don't have a budget for something like coaching their people up so that if they get pinched, they can have practice in high-intensity situations having dealt with interrogators before so that they don't crack under pressure. Like, if I were a Colombian drug lord, okay, I would literally, once a month, scare the shit out of my employees, out of my soldiers, by picking them up off of the street, making them think that they're being arrested, and then putting them in a room with an interrogator and seeing what they say what they don't say, if it really is Omerta, or if they're naming names. I want to know that, and I also want to be able to offer coaching services so that I could get my people in a room with an interrogator so that they could practice, so that if they are pinched and they are caught sitting in a room with an interrogator somewhere, they don't start sweating, and they don't start leading on like they're nervous, and mixing up their stories, like, I want them to have practice, so, and and I asked him that, and he was like, yeah, I don't know that they're gonna spend all that money on the soldiers, and I'm like, yeah, but all it takes is a couple convictions for the soldiers, and then you're looking at however long, you know, you're looking at a RICO case, man, like, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying, like, if I was a Colombian drug lord, that's what I would do, that's what I would do, so, yeah, that was, uh, that was a pretty interesting story, and um, you know what? Honestly, as we were like two minutes away from the airport as this ride had gone on, it was 4.17 p.m. I looked at the clock. It was 4.17, and it was saying that we were going to be pulling up at 4.19 p.m., and I said, hey, you said if I could get you there by 4.20, and I'll be goddamned if we aren't going to be pulling up right at 4.20 p.m. <laughs> Now, I don't know if he made his flight on time, and maybe I never will, but I do know that I got a pretty decent story to start the day and start this episode, and he got to his spot safely and on time. The counterfeiter. So, just as I'm dropping one lawyer off at the airport, I pick another one up. I mean, another lawyer gets into an Uber, okay? And this is what I appreciate about so many of the attorneys that I have ever met. They are well aware of the perception that they have in society, okay? How we see lawyers and how people talk about lawyers, and they just own it. And they just absolutely fucking own it. And I love that about them. 
So I'm waiting in line to get closer to this Uber pickup zone at the airport, okay? First time that I had actually picked anybody up from the Columbus airport. Somehow, the weekend that I was there for part one, I didn't pick anybody up at the airport. So I'm going to pick somebody up at this airport for the first time, and most airports nowadays, they have their own dedicated ride share and, and like Uber and Lyft pickup zone. And you just kind of have to figure out where it is. And then once you know where it is, you never have to think about it again. But because this is my first time, I actually don't know where it is. So I'm waiting in line to pick people up. And I'm in the commercial line, like not um, like somebody's mom or husband waiting to pick them up from that terminal. But I'm waiting in like the ride sharing and the taxi line and, and like the shuttle bus line. So I'm in the right line, but it hasn't opened up to, I guess, where they have even like a, a three lane split after this one single file lane where taxi cabs have their own thing and Uber and Lyft have their own thing and like I don't I think it was like a shuttle system on the other one I don't, I don't even know okay but all I know is that I'm very close to the Uber pickup zone but I'm not exactly there and so when I get this phone call from this rider he says hey it says you're close but I I'm here and I don't see anybody so where are you and I tell him that I'm in some traffic and he says, okay, do you know where the Uber pickup zone is? And I'm like, actually, no, sir. I've never picked up from this airport before. I'm from out of town, but hang on. I will find you. I will be right there. Let me just ask. And he goes, oh, uh, well, yeah, that's a problem. And I'm like, okay, I, I will be there as soon as I can. And there is a woman who's standing out kind of directing traffic and making sure that people are not just like sitting and waiting. She's like, all right, get a move on. And so I've got him on the phone still and I asked this traffic lady where the Uber zone is for pickup. And she points me to this middle lane where I see this guy, my rider, standing there and I drive right on up to him. And he's standing on the platform with a suitcase in front of him. And it's not a very big suitcase. It's just like a carry-on roller. And sometimes people like to bring these with them in the back of the car because they're small enough to fit and usually they're not that heavy where it's like, so people will bring those in the back and just sit it on the back seat. And I'm like, okay, cool. But I roll down the window to see if he wants to do that or if he wants to put that in the trunk. And I ask him, hey, do you want to put that in the trunk? And his response, again, is a little bit prickly. How you doing? You wanna put that in the trunk? I'm sorry. Do you wanna put that in the trunk? Not real mobile. I know that's kind of faint because he's out of the car when I when when he's talking, but he goes, I'm not real mobile. And and I'm like about to say, Well, do you do you want me to get out and do it? I like I don't mind to do it. But he totally cuts me off before I can even say that and is like never mind never mind never mind um and but when he like in that brief little like split second like before he responds he looked at me like I was the most incredibly stupid person that he had ever dealt with and that I had asked him the most incredibly stupid question that he had ever heard in his life like the look on his face was absolute dumbfoundedness and I didn't understand why he said I'm not real mobile until he went to take a step to the back 
And when his roller carry-on luggage piece moved, it revealed a leg that was behind it that was in a boot. So this guy's in a walking boot, and I didn't know it. I, I didn't see it. But that's why he's like, yeah, I'm not real mobile. And I'm like, dude, I didn't, I didn't even know you were in a boot until you moved the suitcase. So that's, and, and that's why I, I was like, I start to say, well, do, like, you can hear me go, well, do, you know, like, because I, I don't know what he's talking about. But I'm starting to offer to put it in the back. But then, and like, hey, do you want me to grab that for you, right? Something that I don't mind doing whatsoever, by the way. But he responded so quickly that I was just kind of like, all right, whatever you want to do, man. So he puts it back there and we start going along and we start chatting and it actually turned out pretty well, okay? I ask him, what did you do to your foot? And he tells me that he was running up some stairs on a Saturday morning workout and that he was feeling pretty good and he was starting to go up two at a time until he missed one of the steps and he ruptured his Achilles tendon. It sounds pretty painful. And at 68 years old, he was telling me about how he had just been feeling like he had gotten to the best shape of his life, and then this shit happened, to use his direct quote, and then this shit happened. And I could tell he was pretty bummed out about it, because he was telling me about what it had taken to get there, and then for this to happen, and to be feeling like he was at the best at the prime of his life at 68 years old, like, that's got to be a pretty awesome feeling. And I could tell, like, getting to that point, the this shit happened part point, like, he was pretty bummed about that. And I try to keep him positive and say, hey, you know, listen, it's just setting you up for an even better comeback story, right? And that's where this next clip starts with his response to that statement and some light ribbing that follows. You know, you got to do the rehab. They say that's real important. And I'm a personal injury lawyer. I know better than everybody else. you got to do the rehab. So... Uh, fun you know I like to have fun you know and usually if I say something so over the top like that like hey here's what your tone sounded like you know somebody's gonna be like oh okay yeah 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 you know as long as they're not offended by the mere sound of foul language and if that's the case and you're that much of a prude then I honestly don't want to spend any more time or energy speaking to you ever again so I'm glad that he wasn't that way and it's because he ends up telling me what he does for a living. And that leads us to an exchange that I found to be particularly amusing both in the moment and listening back to it as well, and also a story on the most memorable case that he's ever worked on. This is awesome. Well, I'm a trial lawyer. I'm 
must be aggravated half the time. <laughs> I honestly, the way that both of the rides started, he was in a rush, and and you came in with the tone, and I was like, these lawyers, man, they're all dicks. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're a trial lawyer, you are a bit of a piece of shit. I, I won't lie to you, because you just can't. You just have to. If you get soft. Next thing they do, they eat you fucking alive. Oh my god. I have a big law firm. And I have other people that do it. So I don't do it as much anymore. I think... But I, you can't lose your edge and you have to be prepared. It's just something that right. ages you. Yeah, it does. I, uh... I love that. I love the edge. And I love that, by and large, you guys acknowledge it. And also laugh, laugh it off, right? I say that to somebody, it might go over really poorly, but by and large, most of the attorneys that I know are just kind of like, eh, I'm not offended. And I love that. No, I, love that. I will say this I did criminal defense for 20 years. Really? And if you're not a pathological liar, you can't do it. Your guys are guilty. What are you going to get up there and say, My guy's guilty? What's the sentence? got to do all kinds of stuff to mitigate the damage or even try to get them out if you can. But it doesn't involve telling the complete truth ever. Right. And is that what side you were on? You were the defense? Yeah, I was a defense lawyer. What was the most interesting case you ever tried? Uh, a counterfeiter. Real smart. Smart guy. But, you know, you always get busted. You can't get away with it forever. How long had he been in? I got him in a two-year sentence. He was uh, originally looking at 11 years. And I literally played intramural basketball with some of the prosecutors from the city league. And I casted some chips. And you know what the guy did? So the guy, after I did, I mean, his family, he hugged me, cried, okay? He had two years. He was looking at 11. I made some deals. And after he got out, he went to Belize. And he started doing it down there. He said, they're so stupid, they'll never catch on. And he traded the Belizean currency for gold. He did. He was very talented. He had a very expensive IBM machine. And he had to take it to Belize. It was very complicated for him. But what he would do is he would take $1 bills. Because the paper you just can't reproduce, you know. He'd take $1 bills and he'd just bleach them in some way. And start from there. And by the way, the Belizean government never ever did catch on. How did he know that? They stayed in touch over the years as they both thought it might be in their best interest to do so. And because of client attorney privilege, even if asked point blank about known locations or activities, our lawyer friend here can legally say fuck off and that's that. Now maybe it's because I love their brashness and that edge that he talked about. Maybe it's because I grew up benefiting from and respecting the work that defense attorneys provided for me along the way. Or maybe it's because of the fact that I've always secretly dreamt of being a defense attorney myself and I love defending my friends in social situations by referring to them as like my client. There's just this understanding between me and some of these people, these lawyers, and I, I get it and I love it. And the reason that I honestly don't go down that road is because I know that I would probably become one of the most ruthless criminal defense attorneys that ever lived. 
I would probably become like a Roy Cohn type figure, okay? If you don't know who Roy Cohn is, please go look him up. He is a despicable human being, but he is one of the greatest defensive attorneys and lawyers to ever live, okay? Um, what is like all the people on OJ's dream team, Robert Kardashian and that older guy and Johnny Cochran, like great at what they do. Are they good people? I don't know, okay? I don't know, but I just, I don't want to go down that road because I think I would get down that road and go, you know what? I kind of hate myself. Like, I have become a totally despicable human being, and I'm not proud of the work that I do, and I am a corporate slut and slave to the money, and I have all these things, and I work all these hours, but everybody hates me, and society looks at me as a total asshole. That is not a route that I really want to go down. Maybe someday, and maybe I can create some boundaries and perimeters for myself not to go there with it, but I do believe that if I had studied law straight out of undergrad and studied to take the bar exam and get admitted to law school, um, or the LSAT, I guess, is what you technically take to get into law school, Like I would not have probably been a very kind person, um, even worse than some of my worst moments. And I wouldn't be doing this. So maybe one day um, I can I can always go back and and I don't know. I, I think it would be fun. I, I think I would really be, because I love speaking, I, I think I would be so incredible as a trial lawyer. And But you got to understand too, like, and we talked about this, like only a very, very small percent of cases actually go to trial. Like it's a very small percent of cases because you, you, you only take to court what you know you can win and prove if you're the prosecution. But on the defense side, then it, it just you are looking to cut deals sometimes because if you go to trial and get the book thrown at your client, you're gonna have some pretty unhappy clients that probably aren't people that you want to make enemies out of. So I'm just kind of like keeping that one locked away in terms of like maybe a bucket list thing, maybe like a, hey, if all else fails and I'm bored by 50, maybe that would be a fun way to spend 20 years. But I don't know. I think I think by and large, lawyers have it pretty rough in terms of like work-life balance. And none of the lawyers that I've met, all the lawyers that I've met are funny and edgy, but are they happy? I don't know that I would go that far. I don't know that I would go that far. But I do know that by and large, I do get along and there's just this understanding between me and and attorneys. There is. And how do I know that? Why, you ask? Have I said that I feel confident in my ability to take a ride that begins a little bit awkwardly, like this one did, or prickly or whatever, and then have made a friend by the end of it and kind of talk somebody down from like their initial reaction to me into, hey, I kind of like this guy. Or, hey, this fucking prick isn't so bad. Well, it's receiving goodbyes like these that continue to prove my point and boost my confidence. So right here. Okay. And that was just great. Everything about Thank you very much. Yeah, sure. Do you want me to get that no, out? No, I do not. Okay. All right. It's tight. It was great. Good talking to you. One minute to get out there. <laughs> no worries. Take your time. Uh, I feel like you like one, two. <laughs> so there you go. We're friends. Look at that. We made friends. Look at that. Look at that. We're friends. And everybody got to where they were going safely. And 
everybody ended the ride on a pretty happy note. So maybe he's not happy every day, but you know what? <laughs> Hopefully, I think he enjoyed that. Because here's, I have a theory about lawyers, dude. A lawyer is not going to respect somebody that just lays down, but the fact that I was like, hey, you're kind of a fucking asshole. I think he, I think like in a weird fucked up lawyer way, he respected that. Like, I think that like he's getting out of that car being like, thank you. Like, this is great. You know, like, and I, I honestly think it's because like we kind of spoke the same language and he kind of looked at me as being on that, like not professional level. Cause obviously I'm not a lawyer. Right. But just on that kind of like, here's what I'm willing to say with a stranger level, if that makes sense. I don't know. I, I just, but I love that. I and Look, that's my buddy right there. Now, yeah, look, my friend. Hey, my friend, have a nice day. Have a nice rest of your day, my friend. So I'm glad that we could make friends. <laughs> oh, man. Walk your path. I picked this guy up from the airport and he gets in the car and he greets me. He's very friendly. And he says that he has to make a call to his bank. So he hops on the phone and then he gets put on hold and we're just riding in silence for a couple minutes and I can just hear the music playing and I'm like, man, that's the worst. He's like, man, I hate this bank. And then from there, we just started rapping about living in California. Like I asked him where he lived. He said California. Uh, he lives there now. And I told him that I used to live there. So we talked about hustling out there and what it was like because he he moved out there without knowing anybody and I did the same thing and so he was telling me about how he found his way at first and everything that he's done between then and now all these years later and he said when he first moved out there he was just doing like Postmates right and then he ended up getting a break with this startup company and he said that he did that for a while and then he ended up working at Tesla for a little bit and then this opportunity came up with the trucking company. And in addition to making some coin on crypto, he said that he's doing pretty well and he really enjoys what he's doing. And he's feeling like he's finally found his thing and his place in life. And he sums it up pretty well in this quick clip. You know, because I think when you're, when you're trying to find what fits you, you go through different jobs and companies until you find like your right fit. You know what I mean? Right. And then once you find it, it's just like, I'm good, you know? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And that statement set up for this thought that I had that I really didn't get to share with him, unfortunately, because just as I was starting to go in off of those bars, he goes, oh, they're bringing me off hold. Like, I don't know if you could hear it in that clip because it's so short, but the entire time going back and listening to that conversation I can hear like the the little automated message and the music and like all this stuff, you know, while he's on hold. But then he gets taken off hold. And so he goes ahead to do his thing with the bank. And I didn't really get to follow up. But the point that I want to circle back to is one that I think everybody needs to hear because it's never too late or you're never too old to make changes in your life. And I think this is especially poignant to young people who don't necessarily have it all figured out yet. What I wanted to say is there are like many different types of people in this world and in life. Like you hear these kind of uh, cliches or just like these, these runs or takes on like there's three types of people in this world or there's two types of people in this world, right? There's like a million different types of people of people in this world type like sentences like that, okay? But I think he's dead on. What he's talking about 
is there being a contrast between the person that goes to school that knows exactly what they want to study, they want to be a doctor, or they want to work in nursing, or they have a very carved out path for them, they want to be a science teacher, or they're interested in math, like whatever it is, but they have a very prescribed path to get there. Like if you want to go into business, it's like, hey, you're probably going to major in either business or marketing or finance or like one of these kind of general business degrees. And then if you really want to make it far in business, a lot of people end up going on to get their MBA, which is cool. And then you're doing these internships. And then once you get out, you have probably a pretty good availability of options that are like ready for you to kind of act on. But some people they don't really know what they want to do. They know maybe what they're good at, but they don't actually know how they're going to use those skills in the real world. And I was the exact same way coming out of school. I knew that I wanted to do something with journalism. like So I was lucky enough to have narrowed that in college. Um, I took a really different approach where... I at first was majoring in sociology because I was just like very fascinated with people and I always have been and I always will be. And as I did those classes for two years, I started to really engage and think about where I wanted to carve out a role for myself in society as I was learning about society, life, and people. And so then I decided to double major in not only sociology but also journalism because journalism and storytelling has always interested me and I, I love it. It's something that I'm very passionate about. It's something that utilizes most of my best skills and talents and that I was like, dude, I want to do this. So started studying for that. But I still, after graduation, did not know exactly what path that I wanted to go for. Like, I'm like, how do I just do storytelling, you know? Um, it's not local news. It's not local sports. Like, that is storytelling, but I want to just get up there and talk about life and shit. Like, I don't want to, like, sit there and have to flip a package every day. Like, that just doesn't sound appealing to me. Um, and if I'm, like, having to do these, like, I, I want to I discuss things that I want to talk about, right? Not things that I feel like are just assigned to me. So, local news wasn't really the path. And I don't, really listen to many shows. Honestly, before podcasts came around, there weren't any like syndicated radio shows or anything that I was listening to that made me think about life and like deeper big picture stuff. I wasn't really listening to interviews outside of sports. I listened to audiobooks on tape, but that was kind of the extent of it. Um, So maybe an audiobook touched on some of the stuff that I was interested in, but I really wasn't listening to anything through the audio medium that made me see a path for me that I would want to do. So being in school as a journalist and then being obviously interested in sports, I thought sports was going to be my path. But it wasn't until I actually did a year of sports radio and got into the kitchen to see how the cow was cut up and and how the burger was made that I went, you know what? I actually don't think that this is my path anymore. But going down that path led me to this ultimate path the one that I'm on right now, and the one that I will exhaust myself week in and week out, speeding as fast as I can down this path so that I reach all the things, the goals, and the pinnacles of my career that I think are coming to me. 
because I'm that determined to be there. I'm 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 gonna get there, right? I'm gonna get there. I I don't care how long it takes, it'll happen. Okay. But I am somebody that did that same thing. But I was lucky that had I, I had that like acknowledgement of hey, I love journalism, I love storytelling, so I want to do something with audio or writing or something. Okay, but some people, they don't even really, I don't think that they they have taken the time to sit down and write like something, like all, like a list of all the things that they're good at. Like if you're somebody that's listening to this, that's struggling to think about what you want to ultimately do in life, whether you're a high school student, a college student, or you are in your like, 20s, 30s, 40s, and you're still feeling like you're not doing the thing that you're here to do, and you want to find that, sit down and write out a list and be very honest with yourself about what you're good at and what you're maybe not good at. And then write another one of what interests you and what really doesn't interest you. What you can eliminate will only help you in narrowing what you are looking at as viable options. And then when you're looking at those viable options, how many of them, if you made a Venn diagram of the things that you're good at and the things that you're interested in, how many of these things overlap? Okay, now go try a bunch of those that like utilize most of those things. And don't be afraid to fail. Go do it right now. There's no reason that you shouldn't do it. Go do it. Because again, By doing that, you're going to continue to eliminate the things that aren't for you and make you go, oh, you know what? Maybe that's not for me, but here's this thing that I can like see myself doing that's kind of a tangent out of that or like it runs parallel to it. It's very similar, but a little bit different. And here is what makes me special or unique. Here's why I think launching this business is going to be something that takes off because it's not currently being done or this is more efficient or like whatever. But that is, I think, the key to entrepreneurship is if you don't want to go and work a job where you just clock in and clock out and you don't want to work a job that's just like a mindless sales job where you're just going for a number every single month, you're trying to create something for yourself, that's what it takes. That's what you got to do. And I think people go through life um, if they're not there at that point where they've done that work, they're just kind of going job to job figuring it out as they go. And look, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I'm, I'm, I, I, there's nothing wrong with that at all, okay? And I applaud you for going to try new things. And one year you're working this job and a couple more years you're doing this totally different thing and then one year you're doing this. Like, that's cool. And all of those experiences are really, really great. But I know that eventually if you stay doing that, you'll probably figure out what you're good at and what you enjoy doing. And then go down that path as fast as you can. Work your ass off. Don't stop until you get to where you want to go. And if you start down that path and you realize that it's not yours, fine. What? No harm, no foul, dude. Like, I I would rather see somebody do that And somebody will say, oh, well, I wasted my life doing this and it failed and it didn't work out. It's like, did you really waste your life or did you come out of that with a lot of takeaways and a lot of things to be proud of of yourself for doing it? Like, that's that's really important, dude. That's really important. And to be honest, even though it didn't work out, did you have some fun doing it? Because if it's something that you're good at or that you're interested in, 
chances are you're probably going to have enjoyed it more than you would have like selling subscriptions to something or working at a like Sears desk, you know, taking in repairs or like, I, I don't even know, dude. I don't even know. But like, it probably beats what you were doing before you, you tried the thing. And all you got to do is keep trying things until you find your thing. And, you know, sometimes I think that some people, they, they do find their thing. And I feel bad for these people because some people are lucky enough to find their thing, but then for whatever reason, they're made to feel like it's, it's not that important or it's not that cool or because it's like really hard, there's this like really high level of, of entry or this barrier that you have to overcome to do it. Like, you know, like this, like, I'm like, yeah, I, I'm a podcaster and a YouTuber and I host a podcast and people are like, oh, cool, anybody could do it. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're right, but not everybody can do it well, okay? And I feel like we do it pretty well. But that, that hump sometimes keeps people back from starting their thing and, and going on with their thing. And I feel bad for those people because it's like, dude, you found it but then you never had the guts or the courage to actually go pursue it. And I think I think the perception of failure holds people back. But I would argue, okay, I would argue that not having gone for it, whatever it is for you, not having gone for it is a failure in and of itself because you failed yourself. You found something that aligns with who you are as a person, what you're good at, and what interests you. And if you can make money, that is the sweet spot. But if you find that thing and you don't do it, dude, you are wasting your fucking time. You are wasting your fucking time. I promise you that. And and I I, I pity that. I think that's... The saddest thing in the world is a gift not used. And use your gifts. Use them. Like you were created in the way and the image that you were for a reason. All the shit that had to happen to you from birth to childhood to adolescence to adulthood to wherever you're at now, all that shit had to be necessary for you to be here in this moment listening to this podcast and listening to this real talk. And I just think that you have an obligation to yourself to use all of those experiences and things that have shaped you and the gifts that you've been given or developed for yourself and use them to your advantage and go be happy. Go do your thing. Go do your thing, dude. That's it. That's all I got. So yeah, that is uh, some big picture takeaways and I I think... um, I think that's probably uh, about it. That's all I got on those paths. But um, yeah, if you uh, have any feedback or ever want any feedback, then on like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Can you give me some real talk? Can you give me some advice? Can you tell me, you know, what should I do here? Then definitely hit up my life advice segment. It's called the Dr. Resin. You can email me realtalkwbennyt at gmail.com and I would be happy to feature that anonymously, okay, anonymously on the show. But if you're kind of in that crossroads moment and you're not knowing where to go, 
then hit the show up, dude. Email me or DM me, and I got you. I got you. Manifest Destiny. This is my very last ride of the entire trip, and things started off very casually. This was a super chill ride. I was just talking with this really nice dude and his wife who were headed to the airport, and they were asking me if I lived in Columbus and if this was my only job. So I went into the whole deal with them, and they were super interested and received that really well. And uh, whenever you can tell that somebody is like really interested in you, like truly, genuinely interested in you, that's a really, really cool thing. Um, so like the first five or six minutes of the trip was mostly them just asking me questions and me responding, but it was mostly about me and my thing. Until the husband says, well, wait, are we on the episode right now? And I was like, well, not yet, but we've got four minutes, so you could go off real quick. And then what he snaps with right here about where they're headed and what they're headed to go and do is just a really cool story to me. And it's pretty inspirational. And this left me feeling really good about where I'm at currently with everything and this is how I'm wrapping up all of the rides and the people that I connected with Columbus is this ride right here. I was like, dude, this is awesome. I guess, so, so we went on a rant, we went on a trip last year to Colorado for our anniversary. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I had the idea to ask my wife, you wanna go? <laughs> so then um, two months later, after that, went back to Colorado, look at 26 houses in two days. Wow. Uh, found a, found like an area that we liked. Uh, then went back again in February, realized the housing market was crazy, and it's like, hey, we're gonna just build a house. <laughs> nice. So we're in the process of building a house right now, and we're literally going out there to uh, take a look at it right now, check on it. Dude. Uh, so we're in the phase of it's fully framed, the roof is on, Going out there to write words of affirmation on our house, you know, some biblical words and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. That's what do you, that's, all right, first of all, it's fucking awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. Congratulations, both of you. That's Thanks. amazing. Yeah. Um, what are some of the things that you're thinking about putting down? Um, so for me, it's like just certain verses about like um, protection. Um, so like no weapon form against the world shall prosper on there. So those type of verses. Something about like family related, uh, asking God for protection, blessing. Uh, something about um, spiritual wealth and fruitfulness. So everything about what we want to do in this next chapter of our life, we're going to try to find verses about them and put them and literally write them with a sharpie on the wall so it's always engraved in our house. So 
trip to continue and I'll follow in the path. Well, I wish you continued success on this Thank path. Thank you. For, uh, Thank you. <laughs> good things are going to keep happening. I hope that. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. So that was your four-minute ride. Huh? Hell yeah. <laughs> hey, that's fire, though. That's gas. That's, where are you guys flying at? Frontier. Uh, Frontier. All right. So the word of the day is manifest, my guy. I literally go and manifest drives. My wife will tell you, like, I go to different things and I see it and I manifest. I'm like, you know, it's going to come to fruition for me. Yeah. 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 So they used to, we used to have a uh, quote that we always used to say as a football team called "See it and make it so." Yeah. That's like the same. Exactly. Exactly. Exactly what's going to happen. So that's awesome. Well, congratulations again. Yeah. Enjoy. See you guys. I love that. I love that idea. And if I ever build a house, you're goddamn right. I'm going to do that exact same thing, dude. That is one of the coolest ideas that I've ever heard. And I, I, I just, you know, I think, I think the new beginning thing is really cool. Like that's a special thing. And that ride just left me thinking about all the things that I, I'm manifesting in my life, all the things that I've been manifesting in my life, all the things that I, I'm manifesting now and all the things that I'm going to continue to manifest as we move forward in this journey and all the good things that are yet to come, but I know that are right there around the corner and I just got to get there. I just got to get there. And to be at the end of this journey in Columbus with at least just the driving part of it and the Uber rides and that part of the connections with people, I thought ending the, the trip this way with that ride was just the coolest thing ever. And I was just like, wow, dude. Like, again, all of the things that they're talking about is like these little coincidences that happen. Now, they called it prophecies. Now, I now and, and they're, you know, obviously very religious. I am not religious whatsoever. Very spiritual. I do believe in like the things that they're calling prophecies as being like, coincidences or right place right time or I I like to say it's the universe rewarding you in some way like I I do truly believe that if you are committed to finding your path in life and doing it in a way that like elevates other people and helps other people in some way like you're actually doing something fucking productive and positive then you're going to be rewarded by somebody or something at some point dude whether it is like getting good news or being successful or like however that success and reward is going to manifest itself in your life, I believe that it's coming for you. But don't be a dick and don't fuck people over and just be a good human being, dude. Just be a good human being, okay? If I was being the ruthless criminal defense attorney, good things would probably not happen to me. But because I'm doing this, and meeting people like that and ending the rides and the 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 part two of this episode with a ride like that, that to me is that universe and that like prophetic thing being like, hey, nudging me in that direction. Like, hey, keep going, you know, keep going. This is like, you're right where you're supposed to be. You're right where you're supposed to be. I love that, dude. And I love that that's the way that we could end Uber Stories Columbus part two in terms of the rides. So that was Wednesday and Thursday. And now it's Friday and we've got breakaway festival. So the work part of it in terms of like the driving work is done. And now I am here to just have a good time and go meet hella people. And the thing is, I never stop working. I really don't. Like I have these QR codes 
with my link tree on it. And dude, I'm telling you, like, I hand these things out and pitch people no matter where I am. Like, it comes up in conversation and people are always genuinely interested to know more about me. So when they start asking me questions and I say, well, actually, no, I'm not from here. Or actually, this is what I'm doing here. Or actually, here's who I am and here's what I do. And then I have these small fucking things on me. You know, I keep mommy, baby, you know? And so I'm just like dishing these things out like fucking Raymond Felton on the court. It's a beautiful thing. So Friday, I get up again, go revisit my little spot down at Tuttle Park, get the vibes right, came back, showered, pre-gamed a little bit, vodka Red Bulls till I die. Uh, I mean, like vodka and Ciroc until it stops my little tiny beating heart. Dude, like that is like when I want to turn up, it's vodka Red Bulls till I die, okay? So I get ready and I've got this sick black North Carolina Jordan jersey. And this was my first music festival that I was ever going to solo. And not only that, This was also the first music festival that I ever bought a VIP ticket to. So, I know, kind of getting baller, okay? Mr. Big Shot over here. But honestly, for the cost that it, it, like the difference in cost between general admission two-day tickets and the VIP two-day tickets was very minimal. Like, less than $100 and change, but the experience that you were going to get in the VIP section versus like and the the amenities that were available to you in the VIP section some of them not all of them but some of them were way better than general admission like the private um viewing area like there was so much more space there that was incredible but they thought that having access to a VIP only bar was going to be a great thing And it was in theory, but the fact is they didn't have enough bars to actually support the the amount of people that had bought VIP tickets. So the lines in the VIP area for drinks were actually way longer than all of the places that existed outside of the VIP area um, that you could go and grab a drink. So... And honestly, like I'm, I'm honestly, look, look, I've talked about binge drinking before and my issues with substance abuse. And I've said before too, like, here's the thing I went through that. I went through a phase where if I was going to a show, I was probably more than likely going to be rolling on Molly, but that was then. And this is now. And I've, I've really, I'm not saying I'm never going to do that again, but I am saying that I don't need that. I don't need that or shrooms or I don't, I don't need to be blacked out. I don't even need to be drunk to dance, right? I don't need that stuff to have a good time, dude. Like alcohol is a social lubricant and it always does enhance my experience a little bit when I do drink responsibly, which I encourage each and every one of you to drink and drug responsibly. But I still enjoy drinking some vodka Red Bull and I'm very proud of myself Because of where I'm at right now in terms of the control that I'm exercising in my life in that area, it's it's like back to like 2015 levels, which was like peak for me in a lot of ways was like where I look at myself as as being like this run in college that I had where like, yeah, everybody has a bad night once in a while, but I was really on top of my shit from like the end of 2012 to 2015 and then life happens, man, life happens, but like, 
when I got into the festival both days, I pre-gamed by myself a little bit, right? To where I was like not sober walking in. And then once I actually got into the venue, I did the same thing both days. I bought technically two drinks, but I bought one drink, okay? Double vodka on the rocks. All they had was Grey Goose. I'm a Ciroc guy. I'll drink Goose, but I think that Goose is overpriced for the taste. I actually think Grey Goose, I don't think it tastes that good. Um, I really like Tito's vodka. I would drink Tito's. I like Effin vodka. Um, I'll take Absolute if they have it. I really like Stoli vodka. I used to drop bombs in the Bay Area with Stoli displays. I sold the shit out of Stoli top rep of the month in the Bay Area, one of the hardest places to to like stand out. And I was month after month after month, Stolik Naya Vodka's top rep of the month, dude. I fucking crushed it for John Karam and those boys. You guys are welcome, and I fucking love you guys. Um, but Ciroc is like my number one, dude. Ciroc's my number one. All they had is Goose. And I'm just like, eh, all right, whatever, you know? And then... I'm a big Red Bull guy. I don't drink energy drinks. If I'm not drinking alcohol with like energy drinks, I don't drink energy drinks. Don't consume them. But they didn't have Red Bull. They had Monster. And Monster is okay. It tastes more like candy to me. I For some reason, dude, Red Bull is just my shit. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why. I Actually, I, I do know why. I blame Tucker Max, okay? Um, thank you, Tucker. But I... I love that. I love that. But they they had Grey Goose and they had Monster. And so I bought a double goose on the rocks and a can of Monster. And that was all the alcohol that I consumed on the premise um, the first day. Second day, that was the only drink that I bought. And then a buddy of mine bought me a, a tall boy. Uh, oh, God. It, it was a beer that they smushed a lime. It was a Mexican beer. Um Damn it, I can't remember what it was, dude. But it was it was good. It was good. But like, yeah, I my alcohol consumption once I got there, it was very low. And I started like chugging water bottles. Um when the second to last person was on at some point, I would go to I would go and like obviously being, you know, like sweaty a little bit from dancing, even though it felt amazing both days, dude. Like less like like mid-70s during the day and then 60s at night. It was incredible. But me, my, my, my dancing is like a mix between like hype guy and like pole dancer. Like I will break down, I will grind, I, I, I will just jump up and down. Like I'm like the energizer bunny on the dance floor, dude. In fact, I once beat a, I was in a head-to-head matchup as the best man in a wedding against the maid of honor and the DJ, my boy Ross Turner actually, was up there DJing this event and we were under a tent and I knew that just based on moves alone, I may or may not beat the maid of honor in this case. So I did the first thing that I could think of and improvised and I saw this big pole that was holding up the tent, this this structure, and I just went and I pole danced probably in front of like 200 people at this wedding, and I mean, in terms of like, I heard shock and awe, and I heard claps and applause, and it was all worth it, dude, because I definitely beat her on the dance floor. That was awesome. Top that, okay? <clears throat> but like, <laughs> I I just, I love the dance, but I get very, you know, I need some water, so I pounded some water, and to, to people that saw me, like, 
I would imagine, you know, my jaw sometimes, like, I, I sometimes just display the behaviors of somebody who might be on Molly, but if you really, really key in on on me, then you'll realize, like, I don't know, I can't really tell, and trust me, it, when I am, like, you can probably tell, because I'm probably even, like, at an even, even greater level of, like, energy, but at some point, I just decided, like, dude, I don't need that to have a good time. Like, I get high enough just based on manic energy alone that I don't need something else to put me there. I don't. I don't need it. And I don't need alcohol to dance or talk to, you know, talk to women. If that, like, that, like, that used to be a thing that, that, that's a thing that holds guys back from approaching women in the bar. Like, they feel like they have to be drinking. And it's like, no, you don't, dude. Just go up and introduce yourself and like lead off. You don't even need a cheesy pickup line. Like I never, I, I like, you don't need it. I promise, okay. But um, yeah, it, that, I, I'm I'm very proud of myself for the way that I conducted myself because, like, at the end of the day, I knew that I was there, honestly, yeah, to have a great time. But I also knew that I was there to work it. Like, I am here to establish my presence and my, uh, my, my perception as, like, festival guy or live music guy and guy that can operate within these battlegrounds and be the last man standing and be responsible and be responsible. Like, if another alcohol sponsor wants to come and sponsor me, they know that I can talk about struggles with binge drinking or alcoholism or or seeing it manifest itself into my life, maybe not directly into my personal life, but into the lives of other people around me. And that I can talk about that stuff, but also have put into place boundaries for myself and a system that's not just total cold turkey because I have yet to meet the person that says, day one I'm quitting and then day whatever day that they end up passing away that they made good on that promise like I I just to me total abstinence is not something that's going to work and it's only going to make the next time that I go for it even that much more uh dramatic because then it's like you're trying to make up for all that you've missed you're trying to cram it all in and get your fix and it's like that's dumb, okay? Definitely don't do that. And struggles with binge drinking is one thing, but that's the thing. Like, I wasn't binge drinking. I wasn't binge drinking this weekend. I mean, that feels pretty good. Like, maybe maybe technically by definition, like, in terms of the amounts of drinks I had from the pregame to then, um, like, getting in, but then I just coasted and drank water, and I didn't black out, and I didn't have to worry about all that kind of bullshit, especially being alone at a festival, dude, like you better have your own back. And that means you, 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 you need to be sober enough to like make sure that you're good and that you know where you're going and that people aren't taking advantage of you or you're not getting in yourself into a situation that you don't want to be in. Like, yeah, there, there's a lot that goes into that one, but let me digress because um, the venue was Historic Crew Stadium, which is up in Columbus, okay? So shifting gears back to the festival part of it, it's like, dude, 
we walk in. I, I walk in. Okay. I was I, I walked in alone and I walked out alone um, both days and both nights. And I was totally cool with that. But they had a main stage and then they also had a smaller stage, which was like the Corona Beach stage. And I pretty much stayed at the main stage the whole time. I did go and see two shows over at the Corona Beach stage. Um, those were both on Saturday. And that was DJ Press Play and Bonnie and Clyde. So Bonnie and Clyde has a really big song that's called Your Love is Killing Me, Love is Killing Me, Banger. And then DJ Press Play is the like the house DJ of the Friday Beers account. And so all of the Friday Beers guys were up on stage. Like these guys are fucking goons, okay? They're like like mid 30 something some of them like 20 somethings but like they are absolute goons and the biggest fuck boy that was up there was definitely the oldest okay and he was wearing a captain's hat like a white like sailing captain's hat and he was wearing a backwards Johnny Manziel jersey so the Manziel part is the front and he was just an absolute goon dude and but it was fun it looked like they were having a blast up there. Like, I'm definitely not talking shit, you know, uh, just making mere observations. But the Friday beers, that that was like a really cool thing. And I always look forward to their social media content. So it was pretty cool. It was actually that DJ's very first show that he was ever doing. So, like, we got to really see something that hadn't been done before. And that was pretty cool. But outside of those two performances... I stayed at the main stage the whole time. And the way that the VIP section was set up, it was like they took like if maybe like um, a third of the viewing area and they had it like fenced off for VIP. So you could get as close as the other people who were general admission were to the stage and there were tables there. There was the private bar, private bathrooms. There was so much space. And there was like an ultra VIP section that was like elevated above even us and all the crowd. But the jump for that was like like $1,000 and really wasn't worth it, to be honest. Like it didn't, didn't seem worth it to me. But um, the VIP section was dope. And also, like, dude, like, look, here's here's the reality. I'm not saying that, like, this this is not a statement at all, like a, oh, because I was VIP, I'm better than you. Like, it is, I, I promise, it's not about that at all. I just know that, like, being in VIP grants me access to a different type of person. And in general admission, you know, you it, it's, a, it's a very wide crowd. It's a wide net, like a wide array of people. And that's great. But you also deal with a lot of knuckleheads, with a lot of male ego bullshit. You just deal with stuff in a different way. And uh, at least in VIP, like, yeah, that stuff still exists, but just maybe not as much, you know? Because the people who are willing to pay a little bit more to be in there, um, they're, they're probably not like the guy that just got off work that's going that doesn't even like EDM or isn't there about for the, the, the festival vibes or any of that stuff. They're just going there to to get like fucked up and it's just an excuse to drink. Like that person is a general admission person, okay? 
the guy or girl, but mostly it's guys. Mostly it's like redneck guys that show up at these places that just want to get fucking trashed and they don't give a shit about the music or anybody. They're just like looking to destroy shit and rage to a lineum. And like, that's cool. But also like, I, I, I don't, want to spend a bunch of time around that you know and and so if you're actually like in the vip like you probably are there for a reason you probably really love an artist or you're just like really about the festival life and like yeah there are definitely people who are in there that like i don't know i i, I didn't see any fights honestly like you don't really see a bunch of fights at music festivals but um it's just it's just a different type of crowd you know it's just a different type of crowd. So I was really happy that I could be in there and and just like there's just like an understanding amongst the people who are in there, like like a respect, I guess. It's just like, okay, like you're really about this, you know? And I thought that that was cool. So very first VIP experience went pretty cool. And like I'm not going to lie, walking around with the thing that says VIP and having my own entrances to things and like I, I just thought that was really cool and like I and and even just to show you that I'm not like that guy that thinks like oh I'm VIP or like who's your manager let me speak like dude I'm I I think what you want but that's not me um I loved because I'm seeing these people like the, the guys that are working the security like wanding us down and the guys that are like standing there at the bar the bartenders, like, dude, I'm knucking up all these people because I'm walking in and out. I'm seeing these people all day long. Um, and I, I just want to like get along with the people that I'm seeing like that. So, you know, like I have relationships with the big, the big ass dude that was like bouncing. And I had relationships with the guys that were sitting there at security and like a handful of the bartenders, like, you know, when they see me, they would just smile. And I put that reaction on almost everybody that I met both days, dude. When I saw somebody and they remembered seeing me from the day before, they would smile and be like, what's up, dude? And I'd be like, yo, what's going on, baby? Dap them up, whatever, man. And it was just like, I carried that energy with me all weekend long. And it was just honestly the most beautiful thing that I've probably ever done in my life. Because being there and being alone just meant that like I, I I always I like doing things alone because when you do things alone, it makes you present your most authentic self. Like unless you're going out and trying out different personalities, who you introduce yourself as and who you're being when no one else is around is who you are. And so I like to go into situations where I don't know anybody and almost like like kind of like practice like, getting feedback and like how are people receiving me and who am I right now you know those are questions that strangers answer for you because you know if you go somewhere where you don't know anybody and nobody wants to talk to you and it's not because you're not trying but like no one's responding to you like I don't know take the hint like whatever you're doing your approach it's not working but if everywhere that you go you get the same reaction by and large from the people and it's like, dude, what's up? Like, hey, how's it going? Like, good to see you again. Like, I fuck with this dude. Like, that's my boy. What's good? Like, dude, that says something. That says something. And what's sad is that if certain people that I would have gone to shows with in, in the past can't appreciate me and don't love me for who I am despite 
different imperfections and different flaws, but they can't appreciate the person that I am that 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 has all those other beautiful sides. Well, then guess what? I'm not going to get sad about it. I'm going to go replace those people with people that do see me for that and people who respect me and love me for that. So I'm going to go out and meet those people. And that's really what this whole thing was about, was just doing something for myself, was doing something for myself and going to have fun, dude. Like, I love Kygo. This was my sixth time seeing Kygo. That is like super aggressive, but I love Kygo more than dude, it's Kygo and Drake for me. It's Kygo and Drake. Like, that's it, man. And Drake makes me feel, like, motivated. Kygo makes me feel happy. Like, Kygo makes me feel like I'm loved. I feel love when I listen to Kygo's music. And it took me a long time to even feel that and, like, feel that I was capable of feeling love until I started listening to some Kygo songs and while I was on this spiritual journey and this 10-week solo trip that I took after I graduated college and went off to Europe, I solo traveled for 10 weeks, dude. And it was the greatest thing that I've probably ever done in my life. And I ended up going to my first music festival over there where I saw Drake and Avicii and many other dope-ass artists at Wireless Festival in London with my buddy Amit Patel. He flew in from Barcelona. I flew in from Dublin, and we met in London. That was my first music festival ever. And if he hadn't have done that, I probably would have gone alone. But that was like where it all started for me. And then ever since then, I've gone to shows with different friends And it wasn't until the Lewis the Child concert like a month ago or whenever that was that I said, you know what, this is a pretty low barrier of entry. It's right here in my own backyard. I have nothing to lose. It's a like Wednesday or Tuesday night. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go do it. And I went and did it and I had such a fucking blast that that gave me the confidence to roll up to Breakaway Festival in Columbus and go solo. It was a two-day festival, and those two days were some of my favorite that I've had in, in like, a, a lot of years, Ben. Those were really, really fun. Like, And seeing Kygo, I saw Griffin. Um, it was my second time seeing him. I saw Chelsea Cutler for the second time, Two Feet. That was the lineup on Friday. I got to the festival, and I saw Two Feet, Chelsea Cutler, Griffin, and then Kygo was the, the, was the end-of-the-night headliner. And it was my sixth time seeing Kygo. Seventh, if you count this, I don't really count this, but when Maddie and I were in Vegas, we um, got bottle service to the very first pool party that they did when they opened Vegas back up. We were literally at Wet Republic for their very first pool party. And we got got a cabana and it was sick, right? So that was, I guess, my first taste of VIP. And then I was like, okay, now I've, now I've seen how it is when you have your own real estate. Like we have some place to come back to and call our own. This is really nice. Not the first time that I'd ever done VIP, but like one of the first times, let's be honest, that I'd ever done VIP. And um, before we went and, and went to that pool party, Kygo did a performance from the top of the Sunmore Alps in Norway back in March of 2021. It was fucking sick. You bought tickets on Moment House, and we used that as our pregame and then rolled to the pool party. So 
I don't know. I kind of still count that as like I obviously wasn't there, but nobody was. The dude was on the top of a fucking mountain. Like so nobody was there. And so because we went to the pool party, like, I don't know. Does that count as a seventh? Like I I kinda and and like, dude, we went to um when I went to I went to Vegas for a bachelor party and Kygo was going to be there at different venues like on one of the first days we were there and one of the last days we were there and I literally went to both and like I was one of the only people I would have gone alone to the second one had some guys not wanted to be there and go to that pool party on on one of those last days like I was like guys I'm going to this Kygo show and I don't care who goes with me but I'm going to be there and you know, it's like when the buffet and the restaurant is open, you eat till you puke. If I could see Kygo every day, dude, I would. I, 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 I love that guy for what he's given me. And it's just such a beautiful gift to listen to his music. And, and it makes me emotional. And it, it just like the things that he writes about are the things that I think about a lot. You know, losing friends, losing lovers, gaining lovers, finding love, loving yourself. It's all in that music, dude. And if you have never, ever listened to Kygo, go listen to Stay by Kygo is my favorite song um, of his. And also like Tied with Good Life by Kanye for my favorite song of all time. Go listen to that one. Carry Me. Firestone and Stole the Show are his two biggest songs that most people who who like maybe might not say yes to do you know who Kygo is but if they heard one of those songs they might be like oh okay yeah I, I know this song like I've heard this song like those are really really popular songs and at the time that I was in Europe Firestone and Stole the Show was like he had done a bunch of remixes like uh, the Midnight Fire remix and a handful of other ones, Cut Your Teeth. But Firestone and Stole the Show were really his only, some of his only original songs that he had put out. And then when Cloud Nine came out in 2016, one of my favorite albums of all time, I keep it on the vinyl record player that I've got in this studio right now. I'm looking at it. It's fucking sick, too. It's white. Most vinyls are black, but this one's white. It's it's just, dude, Kygo's a man, man. He, he is a man. But this was like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I just totally spent like 10 minutes probably fanboying out on Kygo. Like, he's a beautiful guy. He's a beautiful human being. And I, I just like... I'm so grateful for him and what he does, dude. He is one of my favorite creators to ever do it. And I just, I love him. I mean, I I fucking, I absolutely love that guy. I love that guy. I love that guy. So I got to see all of those people on Friday. And then on Saturday, it was DJ Press Play was the first person that I went. And I and I got there a little bit earlier on Saturday. Like the gates opened at four both days. And I got there a little bit later on Friday. But then Saturday I wanted to spend most of the day there. And so I got in at like five and I went and saw DJ Press Play. I saw Sophie Tucker. It was my third time seeing Sophie Tucker. I had seen her before at Coachella and Hangout. Um, I saw Bonnie and Clyde. And that was like my first time seeing them. Um, 24K Golden is like a TikTok artist. And look, like I'm not a huge fan of him, but he played bangers and it was fun. 
And if you, if, if, if like, dude, if you're throwing a big party up there on stage and you're just getting people to dance, then like, cool. It, it doesn't matter who you are. I don't need to know a single 24K Golden song besides Mood. I know that's like the big one. Um, but, and, and that song is good. Like, I like that song. And he played it and it was sick. But like, I don't have to know a bunch of his songs to dance around and have a good time. Because he's basically just throwing a party. Maddion came on next and there's a song called Dream, Dream, Dream that you should definitely check out. And Saturday, it was raining for, for like, it was drizzling on and off later on in the day. And then later at night, it started to rain really hard. And during Maddion's set, it started to rain. And that song Dream, Dream, Dream starts with like, you know what? I, I have to play it so that you can hear it and so that you'll understand, like, first of all, what a sick song this is, but like what a cool moment it was to just be feeling what I'm feeling now, but even feeling it stronger then, just this extreme vulnerability, but this appreciation for the moment and where I'm at right now and the people who are I'm, I'm surrounding myself with and, and that are accepting me and like giving me the love back that I'm giving to them. And this song comes on and I just look up at the sky and there's rain that's just drizzling down and it was fucking beautiful, dude. So yeah, that was like, I, I, I was like, dude, this is so awesome, bro. But by the end, and Maddion was cool because Maddion did like, um, and what's cool too is like, dude, this was basically an all EDM festival. And so when rap songs come on and I know every word to these rap songs and I'm just like straight ripping these bars, staring at people in the eyes or like locking up with the person that also knows all these songs and is also the rap fan within their group, then you kind of stand out, dude. And you kind of look like the fucking man and you kind of look like the guy that's having the most fun because the guy that's been dancing with people and like buzzing around that's now like rapping and getting people like there's starting to be a little circle forming and I'm dancing and I'm rapping and I'm looking up at the people at the ultra VIP and I'm like getting like dabs and peace signs from them and I'm coming back down and I'm looking at other people and like that are standing right next to me and people are like going like giving me the look like okay okay like I'm feeling this like go white boy go white boy. <laughs> but dude Maddion played good life and so the fact that I got to hear good life was incredible I, I that was like top three moments for me um he played over by Drake he played I'm on one by Drake um there was uh there was a handful of other ones but he did some rap stuff and it was really, really cool. But like, yeah, dude, I, I loved Maddion. And then Elenium came on as the headliner for the second day. Okay. And 
I love Alinium. I love a lot of Alinium remixes. All on You is a great song. Like, I, dude, there's some there's some Alinium songs. Say it, the Alinium remix. Um, dude, some of my all time favorite like festival or dance songs ever. But um, Alinium also has that kind of like excision type sound to him. Like he is like a banger. Like he's a headbanger, and. Um, a lot of his shows, he's just trying to throw the biggest party ever. Like he does play his hits, but I didn't want to stick around to hear the hits till the very end. I got 25 minutes into like the mosh pit rage party that he was doing. And it, it was raining so hard by the time he came on that 25 minutes into the show, because I had already seen him at Lollapalooza back in 2018 and Honestly, I liked his latest album, but wasn't like crazy about it. I was just like, you know what? I've had my fun, dude, and I am fucking exhausted. I am about to hit a wall. I'm ready to go ahead and start working on this. And after 25 minutes of literally like it was raining so hard that I mean, obviously I was soaked. I didn't want my phone to get fucked up. It was in this money belt and it was starting to get kind of wet. And I was just like, you know what? I came... I saw and I conquered. And I don't have to keep going. I'm cool with calling it a night. I'm exercising my knowledge of when to say when. And I got in an Uber and I left. And I got back both nights, Friday and Saturday night, when I got back. Obviously, Friday night I got back way I got back way later on Friday night. I'll tell you why that is in a minute. But on Saturday night and Friday night, I you know, again, dude, my my energy was flowing and I was just giving it to everybody that I crossed paths with. Like there honestly probably was not a single person that I did not have a conversation with and like it didn't go well. Like there honestly probably was not one one person or one instance of that. Like not even being hyperbolic. Not no hyperbole at all. Like it went, I, I I was just in that element. I was just in that mood where I just felt love and I was just, love is all I had to give. I was tired, but love was all I had to give and I was getting that back and just being there and alone um, and meeting these people and being vulnerable in that sense, like it led to a really beautiful two days and one of the people that I connected with that loved me so much was the front desk night worker at the Doubletree. And both nights I came back and talked my way into letting, like the second night she was just like, yeah, I'll let you in. But the first night I talked my way into being like, hey, is there any chance like that you would let me into the hot tub because I really could use a soak and like I'll clean up after me. Like, and she was like, yeah, come on. So she let me in there and both nights I got to come back and sit in the hot tub and just chug some water and recover. And it was funny, the second night when I came back on Saturday night, um, obviously a little bit earlier. So I got back and it was probably like right around 11, 1120-ish. So the pool technically closed at 11 and it really wasn't that much later. So there were two ladies who were still in the pool area when my girl let me in. And she was like, here you go, make friends. And she she let me in and she left. And I was like, 
bad. So it's these two older black ladies, and they're listening to, I don't know what artist, but it sounded a lot like Luther Vandross. Like, it honestly probably was Luther Vandross. But they both kind of had their eyes shut, and they were just kind of like going along with it. And they're probably like 50 or 60 years old, these two ladies. And I'm like, hey, ladies, how you doing? And they look over, and they're like, oh, good. You know how you doing? I'm like, good, good, good. I get in the hot tub, and I start talking with them. And I say, hey, can I get a song request? And she's like, yeah, what you want, baby? And I said, well, keeping in line with the vibe that you got going, can I get Slow Jams by Kanye? And she's like, slow jam, slow jam. So she types it in. I don't think she'd ever heard it before. But, you know, Jamie Foxx comes on. He's like, hey, Kanye, man. Hey, <laughs> you know, I got I to ask you a question, man. Hey, I was talking to the girls, you know. We don't really put an emphasis on the ladies sometimes. You know, she talk about the music all fast in the club. You know, she got to drink water because she thirsty. She done dance to like 9,200 songs back to back. But ain't nobody you know, really try to find out what she feeling, like how she feeling, you know, you know, you know what she told me, <laughs> I can't do a good Jamie Foxx like he does it right there, but, but then, dude, that fucking, uh, are you gonna be, say that you're gonna be, she says she wants some Marvin Gaye, that Luther Vandross comes on, man, a house is not a home, the sample to slow jams, fucking banger, I love that song, <laughs> But uh, they were feeling it, and then it was just this awesome scene that it was like me literally still dancing and being in the hot tub, and these two older ladies sitting over there, both vibing to the song that I just put on, and it was just a really, really funny moment. But that was Saturday night after I got back, and I got back pretty early. But Friday night, dude, and here's why I say I'm still working these events and why I want to be sharp and I want to be lucid, and I don't want to black out or be fucked up on drugs or be seen as being fucked up on drugs because, like, there's a time and the place for that if that's what you choose to do. Like, like if I choose to take Molly again, that's my decision. And you know what? That's my risk. And if things totally spiral out of control because I'm on Molly and, Vol- and, 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 and vodka Red Bull and, like, I'm manic and I just do dumb shit, like, that is my problem. And that's something that I constantly have to make sure that, like, I don't let happen, right? Or get out of control. And if it is that way, then it's controlled chaos, right? That is chaotic. But I got to make sure that that's not something that I'm doing often. And honestly, like, if you have one night where you fuck up and you end up going, you know what, this really is, like, I shouldn't be doing this. Like, that's all it takes for you to start to change, make changes in your life. I've had that point. I've had enough of my fuck-ups, dude. Like, I don't need it to have fun, and I really don't feel the need to do it constantly or even frequently. Like, I don't even know the last time that I took Molly. It's been over two years, probably, you know, since I stopped hanging out. You know, what's funny is, like, some of these friends quote-unquote friends that I used to have that have fallen off, it's funny, like, now I don't do a lot of the same things anymore. Huh. (laughs) Huh. That's interesting. What does that say, right? So, I am just, like, at that point, and Friday night, I go, you know what? If the people who were at the Kygo show tonight that are hanging out right here 
Like if they're in the crowd, if they're at that show, I want them to be listening to my show. And I look at Uber, which first, by the way, it's bullshit that I don't get discounts as an Uber driver for Ubers if I'm taking an Uber. Can somebody figure that out? That's kind of fucking bullshit. I, I don't get a code. I don't get anything. I, I don't get anything. It's just like, hey, you're just another one of the people. You know, it's like, well, I should get something. I should get a discount or something. Okay, Jesus fucking Christ. But the surge after the show let out on Friday night and Saturday night, had I waited, it was ridiculous. It was like double or triple what what you would normally pay to get there, like what I paid to get down there. And I had no problem waiting that surge out because I had a stack of these QR codes that I brought into my little money belt. Listen to me, little nerd boy with his little stickers. But I have these QR codes that are in my money belt. And after the show let out, you know, I don't have anybody that I'm waiting on, right? I don't have anybody that's waiting on me. So if I want to be literally the last man standing and the last one to leave the venue, then that's exactly what I'm going to do. And that's exactly what I did. Because after Kygo let out, I worked the fucking magic that I possess moving from the VIP area out to the general admission area and then over the course of an hour and a half working my way through the crowds of people who were still in those areas and then moving into this intermediate area where they had like some of the food and the bar venues and stuff like that and then outside the gates into out where people were waiting on their Ubers and their lifts. And I did this at the end of Lewis the Child and talked about this. And this went so well that I was like, you know, I don't have anybody else waiting on me. I got nothing to lose. I connected with so many of these people in the show and I want to keep doing that. And I also really want to um, let this Uber surge die down. So I, I spent an hour and a half making the most quality impressions and giving my pitch, my elevator pitch, and my very brief story about who I am, what I'm doing, and what this show is to the people who were out there. And I mean, I would just buzz around from group to group and I would spend maybe, you know, two minutes pitching six people at a time and then walk out of eyesight so like it wasn't like oh he just went right to the next group like nope I would just kind of weave my way through the crowd go find another group that looked like approachable I would go up to them be like what's up hey hey what's going on guys like how you doing hey do you guys like podcasts anybody in the group like podcasts hey well check this out I host one and I think you might like it and it's all about the people that I meet driving for Uber it's Taxi Cab Confessions meets Dr. Phil. New episodes come out on Wednesdays. And check this out. And then I was showing them the picture of me being set up at Ohio State's campus, which, by the way, if you have not seen that picture, it's fucking one of my favorites. Peace sign in the air like I'm Nixon. I'm mixing it, bitch. But I showed that picture to people, and like they just were drawn to it. And I didn't leave until I handed out every single one of the QR codes that I had. And for an hour and a half, I was just pitching, dude. And I just have so much fun doing that. Like, I didn't enjoy sales when I was selling theater and performing arts equipment. And I enjoyed sales when I was doing wine and spirits. But I also, I'm not going to lie, I had a little bit of a conscience about what I was selling. 
because I would see the people who were in the Bay Peninsula and who were in San Francisco, and I would see them at what time they were coming to the Safeway shelves every time, same time, every day, every week, however frequently, but like I was seeing what I was selling and like how successful I was being at selling. I was seeing the effect that it was having on people, and I didn't feel great about that. Not going to lie. Didn't feel great about that. But selling what I'm selling now, these stories and the connections that I'm making with people and the work that I'm doing with my writers in terms of like actual life advice, like actual life advice, I feel really good about that. And I feel really good about what I'm doing. And so selling that feels really good. And I love it. I, I, I've hated sales and I love sales. And right now, it all really depends on what you're selling, the product or the service. And right now I'm selling myself and my services and, and my product, like my brand. And I love that because I love myself. I love myself. It's taken a long time for me to say that, but I do love myself genuinely, deeply. I care about myself. I care about myself and I love myself so much that I open up about my addictions with certain substances and speak about that stuff openly because I love myself enough to be like, I am at a point where I, I love myself enough to not do that shit. Because I don't want to fucking have any self-inflicted bullshit wounds and stumble based on something that was totally avoidable. Had I not done this, this wouldn't have happened. All right, well, guess what? I'm not going to fucking do that thing. That's real, you know? And... That stuff is only a distraction and only is a barrier that lies in between me and getting to where I want to go. So I'm good on all that shit for now. Maybe at some point I revisit, right? I don't have a problem. Listen, MDMA therapy and psychedelics, like those are really beautiful things. And dude, I'm telling you, I wouldn't be here today without having tripped on mushrooms or taken LSD or rolled and sawing the vibes. Like when people talk about vibes, dude, take LSD once and you will literally go, wow, I can actually see energy vibrating off of people and animals and trees and things. Like you can literally read people's energy. It's wild, okay? But there's something to be said about doing that in a controlled and, and safe environment and as psychedelic research continues to grow in this country, I'm very interested to see how we continue to legislate these things, okay? And states like Oregon decriminalizing all drugs, people, boomers, okay, and conservatives think it's just going to be a free-for-all. And you know what? For some people that don't have the self-control, like, to have access to that stuff, yeah, it is going to be bad for them. But, you know, nobody ever blames, like, the gambler for losing all their money and says says that they're a bad person, maybe besides their family, but like, no, people say, hey, gambler, keep coming back to the casino. We literally create all of these ways to keep you here so you never have to leave, so you keep spending your money, but we, we're okay with that, right? We're okay with that. So, I, I, I yeah, I, I think going off on this tangent, like, do it responsibly, but, dude, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like have felt love at a time when I was at my lowest points if it weren't for some of these things. And it wouldn't have opened my eyes up into healing from 
the traumas that I've experienced as an adolescent and as a teenager and as a young adult and as a child that made me go, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. It's not all shit. Life is beautiful, dude. Life can be beautiful. There are still beautiful people in this world that genuinely want to see me do well. But I'm like, my point is, I've kind of, I'm done with the experimentation phase. Like I've got out of all of those journeys and trips what I needed. And that's put me on the path that I'm ultimately on now. So who's to say that that was wrong? When I say things like everything that I've ever done, good or bad, has led me to this point, that's me owning everything good and bad, dude. I wouldn't change a single thing that's happened to me in my life. I might, I mean, yeah, it'd be great to do things differently. I wish that I wouldn't have had to learn some of the, the lessons as hard as I did, but it happened for a reason. It happened for a reason to put me here. And I'm forever grateful for that. So, <laughs> yeah, walking around and, and meeting all those people and doing that just like totally like sober at that point, really. Like honestly, at 11, like I got into the festival both days at like around 5, 6 on, on Friday. Friday was a little bit later, so it was like closer to 6, 6.30. But by the time 11 rolls around, dude, like I'm, I'm good, you know, like probably could have driven home if I had had my car there, but just, you know, wanted to be safe just to make sure. And, um, I'm really proud of myself. I'm really proud of myself, but I connected with so many people, not only in passing, commenting, like, you know, I'm the guy, I'm literally having guys like, now listen, I see this as a compliment. And I'm flattered and I am more than willing to indulge the gay guy that's not wearing a shirt and that's fucking ripped and sexy as fuck, by the way. But he's coming up to me and linking up arms with me or wrapping his arm around my shoulder to sing and dance. That's because I look like I'm having an awesome time. And that guy wants to come over and have a good time with the guy that's having a good time. Guys sometimes are like, oh, dude, fuck that. I don't want th-. But I'm like, dude, that's awesome. That just means to that person, I look like I'm having a blast and a fun person and they want to come over and have that with me and like share a moment. Like I shared so many of those moments these last two days that I, I just like, I'm overflowing with joy and emotion about it. And I'm really, really glad that I went and did this. And this was for myself and I I, I don't think that it could have possibly gone better. And um, yeah, man, I'm just, if I connected with you out there on that platform, like that was fucking dope, right? Like I met so many new people. I have a lot of people listening to this episode for the first time. And to understand like what even has got me to the point where I'm so willing to just be like, hey, fuck it. Like I'm going to do this. I don't care that I don't have anybody coming with me that's like really got my back. Like I did have friends that I ran into and got to hang out with and spend some time there. People that I've been friends with for a long time. And like that was really cool. And I loved sharing those moments with those people as well. Because I still love those people. But I also came up there not just to spend that. Like I came up there alone for a reason. And it was because I wanted to connect with a bunch of new people and make a lot of new friends. And Sometimes it's just friends, best friends for a day or a show or a weekend. And other times you really connect with somebody and you're on their social media platforms now and connected with them through that. And they end up being somebody that you hit up the next time you go to town. And then you never know where that relationship is going to lead you. And 
any opportunities that might come from that. Like, that's the beauty of networking, dude. I'm literally teaching a fucking crash course in networking and guerrilla marketing and entrepreneurship in every single time that I go out and do something like that. And it's only a matter of time before people take notice and really start to respect what I'm doing because, dude, it's fucking awesome. Like, wrapping a ribbon on all of this episode, um, let's just quickly review. Like, I hired an intern less than a month ago and I brought this kid up with me and, like, my LLC hired its very first intern. Like, that's pretty dope. Not only that, this is one of the only people that I've ever felt like I connect with that is a coworker. I sometimes struggle to connect with coworkers because I think that by and large, some of the coworkers, I've worked with some really awesome coworkers at some of the companies that I've been with, but I've also worked with people either in management through different internships that I did or management at different jobs that I did or coworkers that pretend that they're friends with you but then actually are like petty people, jealous people, talking shit behind their back. Like you don't choose your coworkers unless you run the business, dude, right? So I've always had a tough time connecting with those people because to me, if it's like, if we're not gonna actually like talk about real shit, or like we're not going to be friends, then I really don't even want to waste my time or energy with you. But you can't just like do that, right, in business. Like that's kind of why I was having so much trouble, I think, with my last job with all these different salespeople because I didn't really want to like be, I didn't want to be what everybody else was being. I didn't want to be the person on the sales team that was like, selling themselves constantly and putting other people down in order to elevate themselves. I'm like, dude, why can't we all win? Like, shouldn't that be it? Don't we have a fucking shared team goal? Aren't we all moving in the same direction? Like, shouldn't we be helping each other? Oh, okay, yeah, that's what I fucking thought, dude. Like, I don't want to be a part of that team. I want to build my own team. And I took a big step in doing that by hiring Connor Dewey. And that is my fucking guy, dude. Like, he makes me so happy because... To me, it's like, this is somebody that, you know, I I chose. And I chose him to hire him because we aligned on so many different things in our very first conversation. And it was like, dude, I really want to work with you on this project and bring you in on this. And I also want to help you on your thing and get your podcast going. So let's do that. Let's work together here. And getting to work with him and hang out with him and stay in the same hotel room with him the first weekend that I recapped on part one, all those Uber stories and the open mic sessions, like that's like I had so much fun and I, I can't wait to do it again. I can't wait to do it again. So weekend one, I brought my intern up, came back to Louisville, flipped an incredible episode, went right back up solo this time, got my YouTube channel rolling with the help of Connor on Wednesday. Got a lot of Uber stories on Thursday and then went to Breakaway Festival Friday and Saturday and also networked and connected and put my QR code in the hands of like a lot of people, man. A lot of people. Um, at least 100 in terms of like the QR codes and then in terms of people just passing by and sharing little moments or just knucking up strangers or laughing at something when you both see the thing that happens but no one else did but you're just like oh my god like I love those little random connections dude and randomly gassing up strangers with advice or like hey you look great or whatever 
or like making people feel comfortable in the decisions that they're making, I'm a I, I'm a I'm a champ at that, dude. So it went really well. And in terms of those number of interactions, those are easily in the thousands. Thousands, I don't know, but they're way up there, dude. And I'm starting to look at these numbers now, um, like my QR code scans and my link tree views and clicks. And they're starting to grow, dude. Like, this is only the beginning. The video thing and everything that happened on part one is exciting in and of itself because of the newness that it brings to the show and this direction that I think I'm going to start to explore more and more and more. And as we tell those stories through video, I'm really excited to see how this thing continues to blow up. And it will. It will. It will, dude. And then part two was amazing. Just absolutely just being in my own element and vibing and flowing. And I absolutely had the best time ever. So a lot to, uh, lot to digest there, man. Um, I also, really quickly, I saw a path for myself that I think I could totally be doing. There was a guy that came up in between two of the artists and he was like the festival pitch guy. So he represented the music festival and he was up there on stage in between like little 15 minute intermission between um, shows and he was just shouting out all the sponsors. And I was like, dude, that is something that I could be doing here, like locally. Like I am literally, Christian Adelberg is a guy who works with Paris Town Hall and has a title. I think he's actually with a group that's outside of Paris Town Hall, but they like manage Paris Town Hall. So basically he's making decisions, marketing decisions on on stuff like that's that's happening there all the time. And like he is the guy and I've already pitched him and, and made contact and, and a good impression on him. And I'm literally going to be like, hey, dude, San Holo is coming in November. We talked about this when we talked a couple months ago. I saw this role that I could totally be doing for you guys and I think it would only help establish me and my thing, especially at these shows where I am trying to reach these young people who are here for the vibes, here for the fucking real talk, here for those moments where the DJ says something and you grab your best friend. Like Those moments are so dope. And I can be the person between shows or before the show hyping them up. I'm a great hype man selling the shit out of any of the sponsorships and people that you want me to highlight to make this night possible and then let me plug my thing and let me be up there on stage and let me plug my thing and I'll put a QR code on the screen behind me so big that if somebody in the crowd wants to scan it, they can and let me fucking do that. Like, I will do that for free if it means legitimizing my image as that dude and also getting all of these people and access to all these people onto the show and like connecting with them. And it's funny, dude. It's like, dude, I could either spend the money on Facebook and maybe people see my ads, but honestly, if you don't have an, an insanely large marketing budget to be spending money on Facebook advertising and social media stuff, then your stuff is like going to get seen, but it's going to get buried. And you don't have the money or the funds to compete with the people who advertise on like a regular basis. Like you just don't have that. 
And I'm like, dude, but here's the thing. I don't need that. I am my own advertising department. I'm my own sales department. I'm my own everything. I'm all I need. I need help. I, 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 I would love to be, to be able to outsource some of this stuff, but I can do this all on my own, and I am doing it all on my own. And if I can get up there on stage and pitch my thing, then it's only going to mean that many more people are connecting and buying in, and I have access to those people. And I don't have to pay on fucking Facebook and try and outbid somebody to get access to that. I've created an opportunity and a route for myself, my own path. And it's awesome. And handing out the QR codes, you know, I could go down this huge list of all the demographics and all the boxes that I want to check to try and reach somebody through Instagram or influencer marketing or any of that stuff. But guess what? Like I am the influencer and I am the marketer and I'm everything. I'm everything I need. So I'm going to go out there and I'm going to hand these things out and connect with people who are at that show. And that's going to be way more targeted than anything that I could ever put together on Facebook. Because if you're at that show, like even if we don't see eye to eye on Everything, politically, socially, religiously. Okay, can we put that aside? Yes or no? And then if it's yes, awesome. Don't agree with everything I say. I don't want that. I want people to push back and make me work for it or make me sharpen up my argument and be like, maybe I should consider this new information and reevaluate my opinion and does that strengthen it or does that dissuade me from thinking how I've always thought, right? Now that I've been presented with this new information, how does that make me feel about this thing that, this belief that I have? Like, that's important. I don't want to live in an echo chamber surrounded by yes men. Like, fuck that. I want people to keep it real with me. And if you disagree with me, be real with me and tell me why. So I can understand it and I can understand the other side and I can speak to that the next time I'm in one of these conversations right? Like, that's important. But, yeah, I just think it's, again, I, listen, I I just, I just think it's fucking genius. Like, I think what I'm doing is genius. I do. I do. And one day, the people that maybe are a little bit late to the party, they're going to do the same thing. They're going to be like, dude, that was so fucking smart. Like, how did he know to do that? And I'm like, dude, because I sat in Atlanta not being able to drive back in March 2021 and had a stack of business cards and walked person to person, group to group pitching. And then I thought, oh, I need a link tree. So I set that up. And then I thought, oh, I need QR codes but I didn't have the budget for it, but my buddy Justin Stein, who loves me so much, sent me the money from California so that I could place that order and order a thousand of these things. And he did that because he believes in me that much. And then I had the QR codes. And then through doing other things, I realized, oh, the open mic sessions, those are gonna be fire, dude. And I started doing that. And then I hired an intern and now I'm going to stuff solo and I'm connecting with so many new people and replacing old relationships that do not exist with new ones and I'm feeling a lot better about where I'm at. Like it sucks losing people that you've been best friends with for over 10 years, dude, and having people fall off without even a good reason. Like some of them have a good reason, other ones totally don't at all and it's just like, all right, well, fuck it. Like, I'm going to go find 
the people that appreciate me because I know my worth. And if you don't want to respect that, then you can fuck off. <laughs> but I, I, I saw, I saw that path for me. And the other thing that I want to end on is just that, you know, when I look back, the paths that I've chosen to walk alone in life have gotten me the farthest. It's been doing the things like going off to play college football. Even though I knew I was going to have teammates, I didn't know anybody when I went to Thomas More, but I went and did it. And when I went to Europe and I did a solo trip, how do you think I felt? You know, going to new places, trying new things, going to the movie theaters, going to eat alone, going to check out comedy stuff or brothels or fucking music festivals or just like shows, right? Like, I did that stuff, and then I got back, and I moved out to California by myself. Didn't know a single person in the Bay Area, but for three years, I hustled, and I met some of the best friends and most genuine friends that I've ever made in my life, people that will ride with me no matter what, because like, when I was in California for most of that time, the people that I connected with, that I've stayed connected with, they loved me for me. And they loved me for who I was in those times, in those moments. And who that person was is who I'm finally feeling like I've reconnected with now. And when I was working at the sports radio station, that dingy piece of shit, I felt like a dingy piece of shit. I literally took on the personality of the guy that I was working for and the place that I was in. And let me tell you, my friends, it was not pretty. It was not pretty at all. And I just didn't like the person that I was becoming. And like me sitting there and firing off that Kobe tweet on the plane, I honestly think is a symptom of being manic, one, and not thinking about how what I'm saying is going to land and affect and like just being impulsive and just being like, yep, good idea, fire away, tweet. And then also just totally being disconnected and being in a place where I would even want to go and make a joke about somebody dying like right after it happened just because I'm like that much of a miserable prick at that point. Like I, I totally think that that's a symptom of like where I was in life. And because that happened, that put a strain on everything that I was doing at that point. And then ultimately once COVID hit and I had been doing this already, like the Uber thing, and starting to do those stories and getting feedback from people dude, being like, dude, fuck your basketball takes. Do the Uber stories. We can't get that anywhere else. Like, you're good at that, dude. Do that. We That's entertaining. Like, give us more of that, Benny T. I was like, fuck, okay, shit. Maybe I should start doing that. And then COVID hit. And uh, that really kind of just totally gave me the freedom to just go for it. Like, what do you have to lose, dude? The world looks like it's fucking ending as we know it. And you could be out here doing your thing. So like, go live your best life. And in June 2020, I finally, after a long bout of depression and probably as close as I've come to really thinking about like, do I want to be here anymore? And like having suicidal like like fixations, like not even just ideologies, but just like a like today's the day type fucking mindset every day for a month in May of 2020. And going back to my Golden Gate Bridge story happening in mid-2018, like, that's probably as close as I've come 
um, to making some kind of a permanent decision that I would probably regret, you know, because, uh, yeah, man, I love being here. I love doing this, but there's definitely been parts of that where I haven't loved what I'm doing and I haven't loved the person that I've been. And like, I've had to work past that and, and figure out why that was, but getting through all that and then getting here, like getting through the getting through May of 2020 was like the one of the hardest things that I've ever done, like just absolutely ridiculously hard. And then at some point I was just like, all right, enough's enough. Like, no, if that's not going to be what we do and we're going to choose to be here on Earth living this life, then we need to actually do something with it. So that's what I started doing in June 2020, driving and just connecting with people, telling some great stories. And everything that's happened then between like then and now and starting to expand to different cities and doing Atlanta and Chicago and Columbus and uh, Nashville and hiring an intern and getting excited for like thinking about, all right, at what point, at what point, like how many months is it going to have to take of continuing to just do literally what I'm doing every day not change anything, but just continue to level up and continue to work month over month to make improvements and stuff. Like, what's going to have to happen for this to actually get to where I'm like getting offered a million dollars by Spotify or somebody like like very legitimate, Wondery or iHeart or, or one of these places that exist, just like Amazons and Hulus and Netflixes buy up original content and they they all there's a content war same thing exists in the podcasting space and everything that I've been doing from June 2020 until now I've just stayed on this path and I've gone through ups and downs yeah dude and I've had a lot of friends fall off once I started to go down this path they started dropping like flies and it's people that couldn't respect my boundaries or people that couldn't match and reciprocate and who were unwilling to match and reciprocate my time and my effort and my energy. And I'm talking about the bare minimum. We'll do an episode on that. That'll that'll come. That'll come in probably uh, I don't know when, but soon. Um and 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 that'll be tea. That'll be fucking juicy tea. I'm telling you. That'll be piping and we're naming names. And it's 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 whatever. It's not to like it's it's because doing that's going to make me feel better about the situation and help me own it and move on and you know, it's like if people, I read this quote one time that said, if people don't like what I write about them, they should have behaved better. You know, when I opened up about like experiences that I've had with my dad, I had this one dude that I've known for a, for a while and who always acted like my friend when I was seeing my dad. And then after I opened up about like, hey, like I can love my dad, but also be like, hey, this dude like obviously traumatized me and gave me a lot of fucking insecurities and makes me feel like shit sometimes and has let me down time and time again in my life and dropped the ball and hasn't been there for me. doesn't have my back. So like, no, I'm not going to continue to spend time or give time to that person. And if I open up about my experiences and my truth and you don't agree with it or like it, for you to reach out and be like, hey man, just want to let you know I'm unfollowing because like I just don't think it's cool to kick your dad while he's down and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, I didn't even respond to that because it's like, dude, <laughs> first of all, I don't fucking care that you're unfollowing me. Just please unfollow me and shut the fuck up about it. 
But two, you know, it's like we say that we want truth and honesty until it conflicts with the images that we hold of the people that we care for or love or we're friends with. And then all of a sudden we want to stick our head in the sand and act like we want to kill the messenger because we don't want to hear the truth. We don't want the truth to get out. But that's bullshit. Fuck that, dude. Fuck that, dude. You know, like, fuck that guy. I don't give a fuck if you unfollow me. Like, and I don't need to know. Like, cool. But you're not getting a response from it. And it's whatever, dude. But I've had a lot of people fall off. And it is what it is. But guess what? My best work sometimes and oftentimes comes when I'm alone. And the times that I look deepest within myself and have to bootstrap it and pull myself out of it, it comes when I'm alone. And I'm okay with that. I'm prepared to walk down this path alone if I have to. Because guess what? I know at the end, I'm not going to be alone. And the people that I meet along the way, while I'm separating myself from toxic people or people that are unappreciative of, of everything that I have to give them and are unwilling to receive it or give it back, well, guess what? The people that I meet along the way are going to be the people that I'm meant to meet and find. And they're going to be the people that replace you. And not that it's about replacing anybody, but it's just like that's what happens, you know? Like I read an article about replacing your friendscape after COVID. And I was like, wow, this really resonates with me. Like I'm totally having to do this. And it is what it is. It's, it's a part of life. But... I'm I'm just I'm at that point where I'm moving on and I it's I don't wish you ill will. I hope you find what you're looking for. I hope you find your peace. And um you know, thanks for giving me the courage and the motivation that I needed in order to continue to do this because without you turning your back on me at some point and pissing me off about that and and probably breaking my heart like it wouldn't have made me want to even prove you wrong that much more. And so I thank you for that. I thank you for alienating me from the friend group or talking whatever shit you want to talk. Because it's like, you know what? I know my truth, man. And and I know the truth. Like not only my truth, I know the truth. So if we really want to talk about that and have that conversation. We can have that conversation. But we both know what had to happen for us to get to this point. And I promise you, it's because I said, hey, I need more from you. If we're friends, show me we're friends. And you drop the ball, dude. You drop the ball. I never drop the ball, baby. Fuck are y'all thinking? I'm making sure the Benny T ship is never sinking. I promise you that. I promise you that. But that's it, man. The paths that I've chosen to walk alone have got me the farthest in life. And I've walked down all these different paths alone. And ultimately right now, it feels like I'm walking down this one alone in so many ways. And I definitely have people who are cheering me on and in my corner. But like day to day, dude, I'm doing this by myself. Now that I got Connor, you know, I got somebody to help me out with that. But like it is what it is. And I know that this is going to get me very far in life. And weekends like this weekend at Breakaway, it's going to get me pretty far in life. So I'm really excited about what's next, man. I'm really excited about what's next. Please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and follow along on social media at RealTalkWBennyT on Instagram and Facebook and at BennyTomp18 on TikTok, Twitter, and my personal Instagram. You can send me your Uber stories. I would love to hear them and get them featured on the show. All submissions are anonymous. 
but send me your Uber stories, your best Uber stories at realtalkwbennyt at gmail.com or you can also DM those to me. Or I also will take your life advice submissions. So send me something that says, hey, Benny T, can you give me some advice? What should I do here? What, what would you say to somebody that is going through this or doing this? And I got you. And I straight up got you. And of course, that will remain anonymous as well. I cannot wait to go to sleep. I can't believe that I'm still down here. Um, but uh, wow, man, what a ride. Columbus parts one and two, probably my favorite time that I've gone, done this in a new city. I can't wait to do Nashville again. I can't wait to start doing more open mic sessions on college campuses. Me and Connor are going to be at University of Kentucky here in a couple weeks. And so I'll have much more YouTube content. And like, dude, even that, like I learned that, hey, there is an external microphone extension for iPhone and it's only going to make the audio sound better. And the the way that I'm backlit on my intro video, like, dude, it's a constant work in progress. But um, if you're willing to do that and take your life in that approach and see yourself as a constant work in progress and put the work in and not be discouraged by certain people who try and take you out of your way, things that happen, people who fall off, paths that you ultimately realize are not yours to take. If you can do all that stuff, and yet not be discouraged, but continue to go into each and every single opportunity and new thing with just as much enthusiasm as the last, you will live your best life and you will become your most authentic self. You can fucking do that, dude. It's possible for you. And if you don't believe me, I'm doing it right now, man. And if this podcast isn't proof of that, then I don't know what is. I don't know what is. And if that's not real talk, I don't know what is. I love everybody that stayed and listened to this episode. Please drop me a rating and a review and connect with me. Connect with me in some way. I would love that. So, um, oh, by the way, um, you know what? It really doesn't even matter. It's not even part of the episode, really. But um, after all that stuff, I got on a plane and I flew down to Atlanta to meet my family and went to the Louisville Old Miss game. And Louisville got their ass kicked, but I still had a really good time still in that mode, mixing it up with people outside of the stadium and playing with the jugs machines and meeting a lot of new people and even ran into some people that uh, I used to look at as old friends. And it's just like, you know, I totally just walked off. Like I I was like, all right, guys, cool. Like, nice to see you, but um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time with you. And I went and met new people and it felt really good. It felt really good. So yeah, man, Um, Louisville got their ass kicked and not looking good for them. But me and my family, my brother and my sister and my mom came super close in Atlanta. And that could be a whole other episode in and of itself. But I feel really good coming out of Atlanta. And to come full circle with this, it felt like back where a lot of this began. And it's just funny how things come full circle, man. It's funny how things come full circle. So, um, yeah, that's that's all I got to say about that. But we'll revisit that and this Atlanta trip later. Um, if Louisville had won, I was going to go to Magic City. but Because it was a Monday, right? But I was just like, nah, 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 nah. But... Yeah, man. Good stuff. All right. All right. That's it for me. I am back next week. I am Ben Tompkins. That's real talk, man.